Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm Chance Ellison. I'm Russell Howe. And this is Toys by Chance, where we come in and talk, eh, talk all things streaming. And why do we go streaming first? We used to go movies, television, streaming. Streaming always comes last here on Toys by Chance. But uh, anything and everything we want to talk about, we talk about it. And uh, this seems, I know it's going to seem like a shorter show, but that's because we are pre recording. Yeah, we can barely get our episodes up when they're scheduled to go up. And now we've done <laughs> two in one week. So, Russell, high five. Yes, we've done oh, it. Oh, hey. Hey, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> and welcome to week, and also this is week two of Pirates Month. So we're going through the entire Pirates of the Caribbean film series. And, uh, you know, yeah, the reason we're pre recording this because as the publishing this, I'm going to be out of town. I'm going to be in Orlando. Uh, it's going to be a super fun time. And because of that, I brought people who I'll be having a super fun time with. Uh, please welcome Mike Deacon and Bethany Curl. Mike, Bethany, how are you guys doing tonight? Good, good. Ready to talk some pirates. Seems appropriate since it's uh, based on a Walt Disney World ride. That is true. <laughs> that is very true. Yeah, very, very appropriate for this and uh, very excited to have everything going on with Pirates of the Caribbean. It's going to be a fun time. Yeah, and uh, you guys can spread some insight that I'm going to go to you guys later for. But for right now, uh, we have no trailers to talk about because as today, nothing nothing else dropped. We wasted, <laughs> we wasted connection yesterday. Uh, so sorry about that. But uh, we do have some news stories to touch on. Uh, first of which, in a story that I know we'd, I mean, we'd, we catch up for this, we didn't bring this up. Uh, this is courtesy of uh, my buddy Jeff Snyder over at Collider. Apparently, bane of my existence, I hate this fucker, uh, Chance the Rapper is in talks to join the Sesame Street film. Now, I'll come to you guys in a second. I am mad about this. You know why? Because this is a guy I can't stand attach myself to a property that I love to death. I love Sesame Street. I grew up with Sesame Street. Taught me everything I knew about spelling and numbers and death and all that stuff. Uh, but, okay, look, I don't hate Chance the Rapper. I do. I do hate Chance the Rapper, but I don't hate him. I think he's a wonderfully talented individual. I hate his fucking name because he ruined my life. <laughs> so, uh, going to, you know, I'm going to go to Russell first, because you, you actually, you have a very young daughter. Does your daughter watch Sesame Street, and how would you feel about Chance the Rapper joining the Sesame Street film? Uh, yeah, she, uh, she was in it for like a, like a, like a blink. Like, she wasn't in it very long. She, I would say probably, I'd say like around her two, three, she liked Elmo a lot, and she liked Sesame Street. Now she kind of gravitated away from it. She likes more like the Muppet Baby animated stuff. Of course. Um, but with Chance the Rapper, I mean, I don't know. I, mean, I really wouldn't care because, I mean, it's going to be watered down for kids anyway, so it doesn't really even matter. So He's not going um, to do the acid really, rap for kids? That's what you, that? you tell me he's not going to do the acid rap for children? Uh, I don't think so. I would like to hope <laughs> not. Um, but again, nothing surprises me in this day and age, so, I mean, who knows? But, um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really excite me. I don't really listen to his music, so I don't really – I really have, like, nothing really to say about it. Okay. Well, really. since you're not very, <laughs> you're not very familiar, uh, go to Mike and Bethany. Are, you, are either of you guys very familiar with uh, One Chance the Rapper? Well, I can say this. Uh, not super familiar with his music, but he actually came into our restaurant once. Really? And was genuinely one of the uh, nicest celebrities nice that ever guy. came in. Yeah. Wow. Uh, we- nice Got good comedic timing from his SNL appearances. That's correct. So I could see that playing. This a- could actually translate to Sesame Street because he's actually super polite. Ah, teach, teaching kids it seems manners. Like a weird choice, but then I mean, I know he is trying to dabble into acting, so you got to get what you can get, you know. And like <laughs> I said, good comedic timing. 
uh, on SNL. So I'm not, I'm not mad about it, you know, All right, indifferent nice. probably. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I'm also, we have one mad and three very indifferent. I had to bring this up. <laughs> screw, because screw, screw this guy. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Our next story we're talking about, uh, I mean, while we're on the subject, we're not, we're not on the subject of Disney right now, but since we're going to be, I'm going to be at Disneyland at the time of this drop. Speaking of Disney, uh, Hocus Pocus 2, which has been stop and go for the better part of the last like 15 to 20 years, has just signed on a new director in Mr. Adam Shankman. He directed Hairspray, uh, I'm trying to, uh, Hairspray, Rock of Ages. He did, um, that Tiffany, not Tiffany, um, Taraji B. Henson movie last year, What, what Men Want. I'm pretty sure that was him. Uh, so yeah, he is uh, currently set to do Hocus Pocus 2, going to Disney Plus. So, uh, going to, uh, going to Mike and Bethany first, you guys fans of the first Hocus Pocus, do you think Shakeman's a good director? And do you think Disney Plus is a good avenue for this sequel to go? Uh, big Hocus Pocus fan here. I don't feel like you're super much. into it. It's not really like <laughs> your age group. Like you were a boy at the wrong age yeah. when that movie came out. But uh-huh. as a girl at the perfect age when that movie came out, big fan. Um, and I can tell you from walking around Disney World during Halloween time, there's definitely an audience for it. Cause Humongous. People love Hocus Pocus around Halloween. There's so much merch. It's insane. Um yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm a oh god. This is the the time where I'm just indifferent about everything. Um, Shankman, I think, is a fine choice, but I just feel like the movie. I actually, I'm not indifferent. I'm kind of mad about that. Like, I don't feel like it's necessary. Um, but if it's gonna happen, Disney Plus is better than a theatrical release because then I can kind of just like avoid it or if i want to watch it it's just like in my living room and i don't have to like make an effort to see it i actually kind of disagree with you because you said how popular it is with the younger female audience in particular you know your your 15 to 30 year old audience is going nuts for that and there's so few targeted big big releases i think that could be huge especially as an october release when you're not necessarily catering to that catering to that audience right i think this is a missed opportunity not putting it in theaters but i'm tired of disney trying to to like make money off my nostalgia <laughs> so i'm just, over at disney just, you just, already got me with the mighty ducks disney just, just Plus yours reboot. just yours specifically not no and if they try to look anyone else's yeah. nostalgia it's fine but yours that, that's that's like, all the line you can take other people's money from their nostalgia <laughs> but disney you've taken enough of mine for my nostalgia they take enough of my money okay period. all right fair <laughs> enough so, uh, Russell, what about you? Are you into the uh, the Hocusy Pocusy? And uh, you're looking forward to that? That should be a sequel title, Hocusy Pocusy. Uh, are you looking forward to the sequel? You know what? I was 10 when this movie came out, so uh, that dates me a little bit. But, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I really liked it. I, it was one of those fun, you know, Halloween, you know, type films that you could watch every October. And kind of what, you know, our panel said, it was like one of those things where, you know, it, it didn't really – generate a lot of money at the box office but it has picked up like a cult classic following almost it's like everybody knows that everybody talks about it it's always on tv um and kind of you know how you know our guest said about you know they're missing an opportunity here and they kind of are because there is such a huge backing of this film i think it would make good money and again october i've said it before in the show october such a you know a, a perfect month to put in more Halloween-esque themed films, I wish they would utilize that instead of putting these stupid, like, not not saying, like, this type of film, but, like, scary movies in general coming out, like, in January and February and stuff like that. Push that towards October, because that's a, that's a prime, you know, season for those types of films, and I wish they would utilize that more. But overall, yeah, I'd be excited for it. I think, um, you said Shankman is a director. Shankman. I mean, Hairspray was okay. 
Um, I mean, what men want, or yeah, what men want, same beat as what women want. So I mean, you really literally can't same really beat. Me- you really can't mess that up. Um, but yeah, I mean, don't uh, challenge him, Russ. You know, don't challenge him. But listen, it, my thing is like. He's not like the he's not your big name director, but I mean, it's not like you're gonna get Spielberg to direct Hocus Pocus too, you know. I mean, hey, um, he's, he's he's not doing Indiana Jones five anymore. He needs work. He's gonna. Maybe that's what, I mean, hey, that's what he does instead. He does he Hocus Pocus. Can, he can make, he can make Hocus Pocus to a hundred million dollar budget film. Let's get crazy, you know. Let's do it. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I I enjoyed the first one and the, the whole play on nostalgia. You know me. I'm 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 the I hate when they do that because <laughs> you know they they have me. Um, I'm tired of live action films. We need to really stop that with the cartoons rebooting every single thing known to man. It's just oh, it's so exhausting. And I don't, I don't think I don't think we ever talked about the Rapunzel live action remake. Or I, I don't know if it was Rapunzel or Tangled, but yeah, that's a thing that's that's a thing that's happening. <laughs> I didn't think it was real, just, but yeah, it'll never stop. It'll never stop. Never stop. It'll never stop. Only for that. Only for that live action Zootopia, just, or anything where animals <laughs> wear clothes. Zootopia is such a great movie, though, oh, man. I, I would, I, I would probably actually go see that. Would you? Would you? Would you really? No, you wouldn't. No, I you love wouldn't. Zootopia. Zootopia is so good. The whole, the whole DMV thing. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. Hocus Pocus. But like I said, Hocus Pocus two go on Disney Plus. Hopefully, pretty soon, because like with a lot of these movies, time is not on your side with these cast. With this cast. Uh, next story we're talking about. Speaking of Disney, or at least Disney-owned properties, uh, New Mutants. Uh, yeah, that movie is still coming. I, I, I do love the snicker. Uh, yes, that movie is still coming out. It is still a thing. It's a thing that got shot and being released finally. Uh, we have a rating right now. It's going to be rated PG thirteen. Uh, we there's a lot of speculation it's going to be rated R, PG thirteen. But here, but here we are, PG thirteen. I'm gonna go. Actually, gonna go to Mike first. Uh, Mike, with with that little scoff right there, I take it you are not looking forward to the new mutants. They went with such a tone in the original trailer, which is going back like two years ago now, that it's like, oh, this might be a gritty, you know, different kind of take on an X-Men movie. If they're going PG-13, it's like, are you holding back? You know, I know that it's Disney and not outright Fox anymore, but this, again, feels like a missed opportunity. Well, the whole thing is a missed opportunity because they've pretty much fouled it up from the start with the release of it. But we they're claiming that it's not you know, been changed from the original direction. They, they want to do it as it was originally filmed. But if it's going to be PG-13, I feel like there might be some watering down of it. I, that was, that, was that right? Well, I mean, they're sticking with that horror tone, which I think is works for the story they're adapting. I mean, it, X, 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 X-Men Ghost School is what I had to call it. Russell, are you, are you still looking forward to X-Men Ghost School? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to make of it because I'm just so confused by the whole tone of it. Um, so is the rest of the world. Almost, yeah, it's almost like that. What connect, connected or whatever, uh, the the trailer you know that we reviewed last show. But um, anyway, yeah, if you haven't seen that, please check that one out. Oh, it's, yes. a, it's an excellent excellent trailer. Yes. Um, but no, I think kind of what Mike was saying. I think they're playing on the side of caution because of the fact that hey, if we release this rated R film, I don't think it's going to generate anywhere near. I mean, I don't think it's going to make huge money anyway. But I think them going PG-13 says, hey, you know what, we're going to try to water down. We're going to kind of step back from it a little bit just because we want to get that extra audience. We, we want to get the, uh, you know, the demographic for the, for the film. Um, I, I don't like that because I kind of like the first trailer. I like the whole darkness of it. And, you know, movies can be radar. Look at Logan. You know, it was successful. So, I mean, you can have that type of, you know, property and still rated R and still be successful. Um, I just think that this one is just, it's been confused from the get go. And I think with the, 
you know, different people attached to it. It's coming out this week. No, it's coming out next year. No, it's coming out this year. It's like, no one knows what the hell's going to It's going to theaters, it's going to Hulu, who knows? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be mailed to your house. Like, what's going to happen? <laughs> it's going to be, you know, airmail through a pigeon carrier is going to deliver to your doorstep. Like, right, I don't right, know we're going to get Raven sending the movie out. It's going to be great. Yes. I mean, like I said, it's one of those ones where I'm just, I don't know, I'm just kind of confused by it. I just don't think it's going to really generate big numbers. It may flop just like uh, Phoenix, uh, Dark Phoenix, Phoenix film. Yeah, uh, the, the no, you know, no, we're, we're not going to call by by style anymore. Thank, thank you, Russ. We're not going to call by style. It's going to be the Phoenix movie. Phoenix now. film. The Phoenix, the Phoenix film. film. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, Bethany, are, are you are you are you as confused as our uh, our boy Russell apparently is? Uh, I feel like I'm very in agreement with Russell on the PG-13 is to milk as much money as they can mm-hmm. out of this thing because they know it's a lost cause. So you slap an R-rated on it, you know you can't get as much of an audience. It's not going to make money no matter what it is rated. Um, but I think PG-13 is a strategic business route, like move 100%. It has nothing to do about the creative side of it. It's can we make some money off of this? Um, is it worth releasing since we've delayed it by like 12,000 years? Um, so I think that's where the PG-13 comes in, which sucks because it may have been a more interesting film if they let it be R-rated. Um, but yeah, they're trying to milk at least two dimes out of it. Instead right. of just one dime out of it, I think is probably the case. Okay, so before we move on to the next topic, I have, I have to ask. I do want to take a quick like poll of the audience. Uh, does the New Mutants make more than the Phoenix film? Because and as a reminder, the Phoenix film on a two hundred million dollar budget, which let's let's be honest, is insane for that movie. Right. Because it does it does it, the money doesn't show at all for that one. Uh, for a two hundred million dollar budget, it grows two hundred fifty two at the box office worldwide. So. Do we think that it outgrosses the Phoenix film? Uh, Beth, okay, I see, I see Mike shaking his head, and Bethany's <laughs> not really confident. That's a, so that's a big no for no? me, and it's not outgrossing the Phoenix Less than half. Less than, <laughs> less than half. Okay, we got less yeah. than half from Mike. Bethany, you care to place a wager? Uh, oh, what I think it's going to make. I want to say less than half, but I'm going to say it's definitely not making more than the aforementioned the phoenix film okay and neither, neither one has the x-men the x-men name attached to it but russell uh, the, what, what makes right. more the, the phoenix film or new, the new mutants i like how this whole this whole thing i've spawned us is great um you know what i'm gonna say it's gonna it, it won't touch it just because of the fact that we don't know what we're getting with this film like i kind of like we kind of knew i mean we X-Men, we saw the X-Men apocalypse disaster. I mean, we're like, you know what? We're, we're, on, we're strapped into this anyway. We're, we're already invested for X amount of movies, so why not go see it? Just because it's attached to the X-Men property. That's kind of why people saw that movie. You know what I mean? Um, this one, I just, I don't know. I just don't think anything about it is going to be like, this movie is going to dominate the box office. I just, I don't, I think it underwhelms. I think it's going to flop hard. And I just don't think it's going to make – are we going, like, worldwide what we're going to go with? Worldwide. Let's go worldwide, yeah. Okay, so worldwide, Phoenix made 252, you said, right? Yes. All right. I would – yeah, I'd probably side with the caution. I'd side with Bethany on that one. Probably go less than half. I, I would well, you're siding with, be... with all of them. All you're saying less than half. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> we're all doing it. Okay, Without yeah. China. Without China. Well, was... uh, we'll get to that in a second. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean <laughs> – um, I would say yeah. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if it goes under a hundred. Well, I disagree. I'm gonna say it's gonna make three hundred million. No, I'm not. Uh, uh, I don't think it'll make like, substantially less. Maybe in like like the one fifty one seventy five range, which I don't know. If that's oh, actually that, that that is less than half. But <laughs> I think yeah, <laughs> all of us in agreement is not gonna make money, or it might because I don't think the budget for this movie is nearly as big as the budget for the Phoenix film. At least 
At least if I had to guess. We don't know the budget yet, but if I had to guess, it's probably in the range of like 80 to 100 mil. It's just, just, uh, just a number. But you know who is in the, you know who is in the New Mutants? Antonio, Antonio oh, Banderas. Oh, shit. Here we go. Uh, okay. Call, call back this to is, last episode. This is going to be an uh, ongoing thing now. We got Desperado Antonio himself. Banderas. Desperado himself. And uh, Liz McGuire is in the background with her, with her single mother life. Uh, I'm telling you, we made a whole entire <laughs> cinematic universe. universe. Boom. I mean, Cut the check. Brent, don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, well, my, actually, I kind of alluded to this next story. Speaking of uh, China affecting box office, it was announced today that it was already announced that the No Time to Die China premiere was canceled due to coronavirus. And uh, as a result of that, and going further with that, the entire film, like worldwide, has been pushed from uh, April all the way to November. <laughs> uh, so this is a weird move because on one hand, yeah, this is smart to not release a movie in a time where, well, like like a lot of theaters in China are shut down or having like very, very limited work schedules. And, this, and like we said when we talked about this earlier, or a few weeks earlier, China has become like a massive market for movies now, like almost almost as much, if not more important than the U.S. But at the same time, <laughs> like you're. You literally push this movie back a month. Uh, I'm sorry. You, yeah, push it back a I'm month sorry. before it was yeah. supposed to come out. So yeah, this is. I don't know if it's going to affect its hype or I don't know. I don't know. So as uh, someone who uh, worked at theater, Mike, do you think this is a smart move to push to push this movie back all the way to November of this year? Well, there, there's two ways to look at this. One is there. It's a reactionary thing because obviously they just put out the song recently, and then like a week later after they put the the soundtrack song out, they push it back. But if you look at the James Bond release history, most of them are released in November. All the Craig ones have been November. Yeah, so that I think for that regard, you know, it's going to help. I think November is actually more crowded. Uh, of a release schedule than April would have been. So they do have to feel, deal with that. But I don't, you know, this has nothing to do with the movie itself. You know, the movie's done. Obviously, it, it has its time. It has its rating and all that. Unless they decide to mess with it. The only thing they're going to lose out on is the marketing. So you'd assume at this point you're going to get, you were going to go either as a, you know, spring break Easter release or you were going to go as the Thanksgiving release. And the Thanksgiving release has proved to be pretty successful. So I think it'll do all right. Okay. So, uh, and keep in mind, then <laughs> this should be worth noting also. This is the, this is the third time this release date has changed. It was supposed to come out in November of last year and mm-hmm. it pushed to February of this year, pushed again to oh. April of this year, and now it's yep. back to November. So this is, this is really the new mutants of its time. Uh, so, <laughs> Uh, Bethany, well, like, do you think this? Do you think this will affect the hype of No Time to Die? Considering this is so such a late in the game push, and wh- meanwhile, what, we talk about that. I'm going to look at see what it's opening against in November. Yeah, now. I was going to ask, do we know what is opening this fall? Because that kind of is yes. a big. Yes. Okay, I, I I do have that up. So opening in November of this year, uh, Eternals. Yeah. Clifford the Big Red Dog, Godzilla mm-hmm. versus Kong. Yep. <laughs> and no, no time to die, and the new Disney animated film Raya: The Last Dragon. So November is now like a very, very stacked month for blockbusters. Yeah. Yeah, I would say it definitely. Um, this the early spring release can be quite beneficial. It makes me think of when my my theater days when the original Hunger Games was first released in March, and everyone was like, "That's stupid," and then it was really successful. Was it March? Um, I, I, thought was, I think I thought early it was May. spring has kind of become a good time if you want your blockbuster to have legs. Um, 
I feel like as far as like counter programming goes, though, there's a couple of things like a couple of crossovers in November, but I don't think the same audience is going to see Clifford the Big Red Dog and see James Bond, you know? So I do think that, uh, I, I do think that I disagree as someone who will see Clifford the Big Red Dog opening day. That's just me, though. Um, uh, I mean, um, I think it's going to be great. <laughs> um, and I actually, there's a higher chance I see that than I see this, this one. <laughs> Full disclosure, she's never seen a Bond a movie. Single, really? Oh, right wow. wow. I'm really into movies, and I've never seen a single one from start to finish. Maybe this will be the one when it comes out in November. Well, you know what? Now you have uh, an entire an entire seven months to catch up on your bonds because this, oh, yeah, the, take advantage no of this yeah, time. time. They did it for me, I think. They were like, she hasn't seen a single one. We're <laughs> China. Coronavirus is just a red herring. Uh, yeah, Russell. Really for me. They want me to catch up. And you know what? On that hand, thank you. Because, um, yeah, now I have more time to watch him, some Bond and, and be prepared for the new film. All right, so Russell, uh, we've made fun of we've made fun of uh, Bond Twenty Five Annihilation for the past okay. couple years, for the past couple months now. Whether yeah. it was the title, the trailer, the song, well, this movie can't catch a break with us. But see, I think that they're holding it back because I think they're going to re-record the song. They're going to find somebody else to sing the main title of the song. Get someone with a little. Get someone who didn't pop a Xanax right before getting in the booth. Yeah, I mean, I mean, actually, get it, get a good Bond song. Like, can we just do that? Can we go back to? Can, can, can we not get Skyfall for a third time? Thank you, please. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I think it's. I mean, it's it's do- it's about dollars, and you know, it's one of those things where yeah, is it smart to push it back because of that? Because it'll hurt the overseas draw. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, eight months is a little drastic, but I guess they're saying. Get let's get this shit together. Let's get all this coronavirus under you know under the you know b- you know behind us and just kind of move forward and get everything kind of right with that. Um, I mean, eight months is a huge huge gap of time for that. Um, I don't know. April was a nice you know kind of how Bethany was saying. April's a good month though because there's okay. nothing else there. There's nothing else around. You could have this film have yeah. legs and have some you know push going into the summer months. If you release it April and it goes big, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm going to even shoot out like the first Avengers came out in May. I mean, I'm not saying that that's like summer release, but it's like kind of spring release, springtime release, and that had legs going through. So you get those types of releases like that to push you through the uh, the summer uh, the summer months like that. So it can go for or against because then you have so many people going to see different films in the um, in the holiday season. Like I know I'll probably end up taking my daughter to go see. Clifford the Big Red Dog. I, I just I and, and, and then Bond and then Bond, right? It's going to be a back-to-back type of event. Absolutely. I, 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 I will take her home, and then I'm telling Beck I am going to go see Bond 25. Yeah. But um, it's like I don't know. It's it's a risky move, but again, I see the the thing that they want. They want the dollar signs from it. So it, financially, it makes sense. But I don't know. It's it'll be it'll be it'll be tough because what they also. Aren't they? Uh, isn't the second Avatar coming out in December? Isn't it? No, no, next year, next year. Next year. Oh, next year. Okay, never mind. I thought I thought I saw something. You with forgot. On you it. forgot the release date of Avatar Two: The Way of Water. How dare you, Russell? Because well, I've been I've been so excited about it. You know. I know. Like we we are all very excited for Avatar Two: The Seed Bearer. Like <laughs> waiting with bated breath on that one. Oh yes. <laughs> I was looking at like the the April schedule. Like they Bond twenty five really had no competition. I mean, it was Peter Rabbit. There's nothing. New Mutants. 
for that's a world thing. tour. I mean, that's that's your thing. That would have made a ton of money. That would made. I mean, these Bond movies open. I was looking at IMDb while you were talking, and like, I think Spectre opened at seventy million. Quantum Solace opened at like sixty five. These movies make good money was, coming out. Was the Spectre um, open higher or lower than Skyfall? Do you know? Did you see? I think it would. I think it would have been lower. Let me look real fast. Well, following Quantum, I'm assuming it'd be lower, but. Let me look. You you want to know Skyfall? Skyfall yeah. made. Let's see. Do, 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 do. This is actually a good bulk of our show. Did Russell like looking up random facts because he doesn't bother to? <laughs> we got to list something. We want we want to get we want to get it right, right? We have to we have Isn't to get that... it right. We have to know. We the, the people okay, need answers. Okay, so opening weekend for Skyfall eighty eight. Okay, so lower than lower than Spectre. I'm sorry, no, higher Spectre. That's terrible. Than Spectre, that's terrible math. <laughs> yeah, so I, that's that's, that's kind of what I figured, and yeah, because I believe a person built pretty pretty good hype but look regardless of whether or not this movie is going to open big whether the hype's going to die or not all we know is according to the super bowl trailer at least bond 25 will change everything and it's going to change everything in november <laughs> in november now we, instead of april we just have to wait eight months for it to change everything we I'm have like, it. we have eight months to die now that should be the that should be the tell eight months to die <laughs> more time to die more more, more time, time to, to die, die. <laughs> I was seeing people write about the coronavirus on there, like people saying, yeah, now it's more time for people to die. And I was laughing hysterically. I, think it's, damn. I mean, it's yeah, too soon, but it was, it's kind of funny, though. It's still going on. Yeah, damn. Yeah, yeah. It's like we haven't even like left this. We haven't even left this party yet. All right. And we're already talking about it. All right. And uh, last story we're talking about right now. We have some photos dropped courtesy of Mr. Matt Reeves on the Batmans. Uh, he uh, showed us uh, the first new pictures of the Batmobile. And it's a car. I mean, all Batmobiles are cars, but this one is like legitimately a car to the point where, like, okay, like if you showed me two pictures, if you tell me a picture of this car and that that uh, Pontiac Fiero with the rocket engine from the F9 trailer, and you painted that black, and I was like, and you were like, okay, now pick which one of these is the new Batmobile. I'm like, I can't. I don't know which. I don't know which one. They both look like they could be. They could be Fast and Furious. But that's just me. Uh, although Batman starts talking about family in one of these movies, I'm 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 walking out of the theater. So, uh, Mike and Bethany, what did you guys think? What do you guys think of the new Batmobile? Uh, I think that Matt Reese probably needs to start uh, start stop dropping pictures because basically they've all just kind of turned into jokes. The first uh, Batman footage. Daredevil. No, this. Let's just um, watch the movie. <laughs> Wh- whoever's, whoever's doing like your viral, whoever's doing your viral marketing campaign, they need to be fired because they are not they are not doing their jobs. Yeah, I know you got to market it, uh, get the word out, get the buzz out, but nothing has been good, positively received good buzz yet. I feel like, um, which is it could be a very good movie. We don't know, but so far I'm not um, super excited. Are you super super excited? It's hard to say with Batman movies because, you know, I've lived through all of them since the 89 version and almost every time without fail, there's some freak out over a casting or a visual or something. Yeah. And how does this Batmobile rank to the 89 Batman? Right. And we haven't even seen the movie yet, you know, so. (laughs) Well, that's, well, that's what we're here to talk about. How this ranks against the, Russell, how does this rank against the 89 Batmobile? That's a good question. (laughs) I mean, did 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 this Batmobile go through the McDonald's drive-through? I think not. Oh, neither did the '89. Neither did '89. That was uh, that was uh, '92. Wasn't it? Wasn't the first one? I thought it was the first one because I remember on VHS tape when I bought it, there was a um, it might have been commercial. Both both had both had Happy Meal toys. One of which the second one led to McDonald's being horrified if they saw the film. 
Yep. Yeah, I'm still not a still not a Batman Returns guy. It's like a very like not you film, but what it, do you feel about I, Batman '89? Love, yeah. love Batman '89. Um, but yeah, uh, this this we need to stop this stuff with like, oh, I seen everybody posting. Oh, check our YouTube videos. We talk about the bat. It's a fucking car with four wheels. Like it's not a big deal. Like what do you even <laughs> talk about? Oh, congratulations! It's a it's a vehicle that the the protagonist is going to ride in. Congratulations! Like I mean. It doesn't do anything for me, um, and I can't believe people actually watch these YouTube videos, you know, and and actually like I, it's it's crazy. Anyway, sorry, I'm going off on a rant here, but um, yeah, it, it's it's just a vehicle. Let me see a trailer first. It's a car. I kind of remember when um, the Joker first had. That uh, uh, takes me back to thinking about the Joker because when we released uh, photos of that, I'm kind of like, eh, I kind of wasn't sold on it because I'm just like, eh, it, it's just it's it's you know, it's just it doesn't. Yeah, I, I does nothing for me. Then seeing the trailer, I'm like, okay, I can get on board with this. And then seeing the movie, like I enjoyed it. So like, these are just these are just pictures. I, I again, I'm not. You know, I think the the bad suit looked kind of like kind of looked stupid from the first one because like kind of how you said, Chance. It looked it mirrored Daredevil. Daredevil. Like eh, the the, the red know? lighting the red lighting didn't help. Like that was that was no. uh, that was a poor choice. So to me, I'm guess so i guess what i'm just saying is i just this is just it's it's silly that we get all worked up over pictures uh we need to just see a trailer and then make our decision i mean we're all gonna go see it so it doesn't even matter i don't know why we're even you know what i mean also so, uh matt reese fire fire the guy who's doing your social media picture stuff because yeah. he's, he's he's yeah tell him to go back to high school or something <laughs> go back like to that, high school go back to you know uh, art college just because everything he's getting memed to death now <laughs> and it's and it's not your fault you're might be the same per- person who did connected trailer. It might be the same person. We don't know. <laughs> anyway, go ahead and check that one out. Yeah, go go, go check out the connected trailer. We're, we're, we're still we're still pimping that trailer like a whole week after we talked about after we talked about it. Because it's like it's one of those trailers where I'm like, yeah, when you when you think you get the vibe of a film and it goes 180 on you, you're like, what? <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. Congratulations to you. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So uh, that is that is the Batmobile. Hopefully, I mean, yeah. Like I said, we're all going to see the movie. And hopefully, it works better within the context of the film. And that's going to do it for our news segment. So we now move on to our movie. So yeah, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean: Dead Man's Chest. So we talked about it last week before we talked Pirates One. Uh, it, it came out. It was huge. Uh, overtook the box office. One of the highest grossing films of that year. Uh, so naturally, a sequel was put into development, and they decided to pull Lord of the Rings slash Matrix, shoot the next two back to back. Because, well, at that point, this had at least a fifty percent success rate. So why wouldn't you go and try this? And uh, uh, so they, they, this is a huge gamble to take it on, and it paid off big time. And Mike, you're actually telling me because you were working at a theater at the time when we came out, and yeah, uh, yeah, you were telling me about the whole environment of the place and the time this movie released. Yeah, so, like, going back to the original Pirates, it did not have, like, a monster, monster opening, but it had super, like, it was all word of mouth, because if you remember when the original trailer for Pirates of the Caribbean came out, it was attached to Lord of the Rings Two Towers, and people scoffed at it, because the footage was pretty cheesy, it did not have any actual That's right. Like, the teaser trailer for the original Pirates is really bad, actually, so, and Disney did not have a good track record with their other theme park movies, like, if you watch The Haunted Mansion, for example. Was, was Haunted awful. Mansion pre or post Pirates? Pre. Wasn't it before? Was it pre? They're I thought it was post. Same area. They're Ooh, in the same general time frame. God. Oh. So you're looking at, Pirates is 03. I think The Haunted Mansion's damn near right around there. Yeah, they were around the same time. Uh, All right. You uh, know what I'm doing, don't you? Yeah, yeah, fact-checking. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Oh, oh, was oh shit, same year. Same year. Oh, was it okay? Never mind. See, we, we get the two for. How but, do you do one so well? And the other, and the one, other one, so one poorly. Is so bad. Well, but the thing was, what I was getting to was the first one was such a surprise because, you know, we get this movie and it's almost three hours long. It's Pirates of the Caribbean. And then you get that out of it. And, and that movie came out in July and it was in theaters till October because everybody couldn't stop talking about the performance. So naturally, when the sequel came out, it wound up having, if, if I remember correctly, it set the box office record for the opening weekend at that point. With it was 131 million, if I'm not mistaken. The hype for that movie right. was out of control. Spider Man. Yeah, yeah. Spider Man. Spider Man had the record at the uh, before yeah. Pirates came out, and then Pirates yeah, was, overtook that, which is crazy yeah, was, to me. That good, Russell. Well, no, it was 135.6. Okay. I wrote it that on a 225 million dollar budget, so you're you're literally almost less than 100 you're 90 million away from making back what you put in already so i mean that's I mean, it shows you the you know the hype was real for this one. Oh yeah it well, was I'm, huge yeah and i also remember like having like a just a i remember like the marketing for this one like it's looked to be like a much like you know but darker like denser type mm-hmm. film and like yeah like they, they built hype pretty well for this film and it paid off, like I said, it paid off really well because the movie went on to make a billion dollars, which mm-hmm. I know, like it, it happens like all the time in, in movies now. But like back then in two thousand six, that that was that was rare. Like it, there were only like yeah. a handful of movies to make over a billion dollars. It was like that Jurassic Park, uh, I, Titanic. Well, I've been in honestly. Are there more? I'm trying to think. Like pre two thousand six. That might films? be it. Yeah, that, that be, might that might be it. Yeah. So that's weird. Like at, at one point in time, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest was like the third highest grossing film of all time. That's crazy. But see, like, but, but then I think we, we're all in agreement here. But the times are so different now. Like it's like every yeah. other Marvel movie is a billion dollar like grossing movie. You know what I mean? So it's like it, it's it ruins the fun of that kind of. You know what I mean? Because it, it's not as celebrated as an accomplishment. Movie, as, movie as made this, movie made I mean? a billion dollars. Yay. Like if you didn't make a billion dollars, it's like a failure. It's like, well, that used to that was a gold standard. I mean, that was like hard to do. If, you know, like three or four films were the only one that you know meet that feat back in '06. So like now it's like I feel like these movies that like blow the box office up, like your avatars, like your you know your end games and stuff like that. It's like that's great, but it's like it's a whole different thing now. It's like almost expected to be like that at this time. You fast forward a clock, you or rewind the clock back 14 years ago. I mean, this was something that it wasn't really commonplace. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, and yeah. I, I can say to that too. Is this particular time? This is before digital prints were really a thing. They existed, but they weren't commonplace. Yeah. Based on how many copies of the film you had, like my theater had 14 screens, but we only had five copies, and this was a movie that ran three hours with trailers. So that's gonna run, yeah. You were only getting a grand total of about 12 to 15 showtimes an entire day, whereas now, if you have a 14-screen theater, they can digitally put it on every single screen if they wanted to. Yeah. And you don't and you don't lose the wear and tear on the film, you know? That's true. Exactly. It, it, it all shows up clear. So, like, I remember when the one theater was going digital, and they said, yeah, you literally, they gave me this tour. This was actually when the re, uh, the remake of Prom Night came out to this one theater or whatever, and um, I was happening to talk to one of the projectionists there, and they were like, yeah, uh, digital's like the new wave coming in. And I said, well, like, can you explain it to me? And they were like, yeah, it's like this little cartridge or whatever. You literally put it in the, the, you know, the, the machine or whatever, and you download the movie onto it. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, it's so crazy because, you know, 
I'm so used to hearing the projector running, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that, that more intimate theater setting, you know what I mean, that we've lost. But um, yeah, kind of how, you know, what you were saying, it's one of those things where you can show way more showings and you're, and you're going to make way more money. Like, like case in point, I was just kind of seeing like onward showings for this coming weekend. There's like showings every half hour. Like you didn't do that back, back in 2006. Yeah, so it's yeah, so, wow. The digital film really blew your mind. Uh, Russell, quick question before we actually start talking about the movie. Yeah. So, uh, uh, what blew your mind more, that or HD DVD? <laughs> you know what? Yeah, not HD DVD because that's that's the that's the wrong horse I backed. Well, yeah, no, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Bethany, uh, uh, Mike, yeah, Russell, when like when it was like you want to tell the story? Yeah, you 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 tell, you tell the story real quick. Okay, so this is right when Xbox came out because Xbox was a huge deal because Xbox was like there was Transformers coming to Blu-ray, blah blah blah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I was like, you know what? I just always like it was always about high definition HD. You know, like, all oh, the film's in HD. I'm like, well, the HD DVD would, I think, would assume be the one that would be the one that's going to, you know, super take all this, you know? So um, for one Christmas, I had my mom, like, she asked me what I wanted for Christmas. I said, give me, an, you know, can you give me an HD DVD player? Now, keep in mind, just like anything else, when they first come out, like, even I'll even make a call back to, like, 1997 when I got my first DVD player. I think that thing was, like, four or $500. It was, like, pretty expensive. Oh, yeah, I, it might have been more than that. Yeah, it might have been more than that. Um, but I remember getting that. And I'm just like in complete awe. So anyway, let's let's go ahead and fast forward to the HD thing. So I buy the HD DVD player, and literally, it's like it, from from like the get go. Like like I I bought like probably like six or seven I think HD um, DVDs, and then like people like it started going that like Blu-ray was like superseding like like taking over like sales. I'm like you gotta be kidding me. So it was so bad that Best Buy actually sent me a gift card uh, with like I think it was like a hundred bucks or something like that or whatever just because to kind of recoup the losses from this thing going completely like obsolete in like within like a year year and a half time frame. I never yeah. I will never get sick of this story. <laughs> no, I mean like but here's the thing though like it was one of those things where it's like you you just don't know it's it's right. the gamble we take as consumers to the you know what I mean. Um, it, it's just a gamble that we take. I remember back sitting in middle school, I think my teacher was talking about like the music teacher was like raving about DVDs. He said, this is going to change the way you watch films. And we're like, yes, guys. But, but thinking back on it now, like 20 years later, like after all this stuff, it's like, he was right. DVDs are still out there, guys. Mm-hmm. It's 20 plus years. They're still out there. And I, I just, I love the physical form of media. That's how I, you know, I try to, I, I stay loyal to that. I, you know, I consume physical media. I'll buy the, you know, Blu-ray because it has the DVD player. It has a DVD to it. And on top of it, you get the HD copy. So, or not the HD copy. Yeah. Ha ha. <laughs> you got me with the HD. Damn you, Chance. Um, the digital download code, I should say. Sorry. Um, but it has the digital code. So you get three for one and uh, you still get to keep um, the physical media too. So I think that's important. Um, but in hindsight, I guess to wrap the whole story up, I backed you the backed wrong horse, and uh, you, you, chance you will the, never no. let me live this down. No, because you you backed the zone of of uh, home media <laughs> movies. Chance, I wish I I wish I knew, man. I really do. <laughs> I hope so, we knew. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Do you still have it? I actually believe it or not. Wait a minute, do I? Yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure the HD DVD. Actually, yeah, I have to take a picture and post it on our uh, the yeah, tours by uh, chance. Uh, we we do that. I'm going to do that because, and then I have like literally like five, I have like probably like 10 films 
I can tell you, I have Troy, I have Superman Returns, I have one of the Harry Potter films. It's awesome. I have, time. I have, I have Shrek the Third. This date, <laughs> this dates it though. Um, yeah. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Yeah. The fact that they're HD DVDs dates this. Phantom of, the, Phantom of the Opera. Hey, whatever. You know, whatever. <laughs> Phantom, jo, Joel Schumacher's Phantom of the Opera. Ouch. Um, <laughs> Listen, I like Phantom of the Opera. You didn't like Phantom of the Opera. You're not a big fan of the Opera. We'll, 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 we'll get to it when we get to it. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I had a handful of them. I backed the wrong horse. And, yeah, now it's like my Blu-ray collection's flourished now since. All right. Well, uh, speaking of backing the wrong horse, and actually this had nothing to do with anything. But let's, talk, let's go back to talk about Pirates, Dead Man. Yes. Because... <laughs> Like we said, this movie came out, made gangbusters, but critically speaking, didn't do nearly as well as the first one. The reaction was really kind of mixed. I didn't seem to like it uh, fine enough, but the, the critics seem to be split on it. But which side is the correct side? Let's find out. This is Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Now, watching this movie, the style and tone change from the original is noticeable almost immediately. Like, you look at the first one where it opened up, where... I mean, it it wasn't, like, super dark, but it had, like, this, like, you know, slightly twisted nature to it. This one, the the color palette, the style, like, it opens up with a wedding and a rainstorm. It's, and also, George Washington running across the Hudson, at least I think is what it looks like. Uh, the style change is, it's very jarring, <laughs> to say the least. Especially watching it now, having just watched the first one again. Uh, am, I, am I alone on this? Did you guys see it, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. It, it, dreary. It really was dreary to open dreary. a film like that. Yeah, like they they uh, break in, they arrest. Uh, we we see once again our leads played by acclaimed stunt woman Kira Knightley, and, <laughs> and Orlando. You're just not going to stop, are you? No, no. Every time we do a Kira Knightley movie, she is world renowned oh, stunt woman Kira Knightley. Uh, you know what's funny? Watching this movie, I rem- I remember like a scene. I could have sworn like they killed Will's donkey, the one that ran like the the mill for the, the blacksmith place. Turns out, no. I was thinking of a different movie. I was thinking yeah. of a hole. That's that's the one where the donkey got killed. Uh, but never, nevertheless, uh, we cut back to. Well, you cut back like like you said. Uh, Will Will Turner and Elizabeth Swan are back, which I question their inclusion in this one because it seemed like their story had like a pretty good wrap in the first one. <laughs> like why? Why yeah. are why are these two? Why are these two even back? I get they were the main characters in the first one, which we talked about at length in the last one. But there's no, there's not really a, that great a reason to bring them back. They're supposed to be married today. It got interrupted because Will got arrested, and we meet what is, I guess, the new villain of this franchise, <laughs> Cutler Cutler Beckett, played uh, by that, Tom Hollander, who's hard, who's hardly in this film, who's hardly in this movie. Uh, but yeah, so. This is the new, he's the new villain of this entire thing, which is weird because originally this was pitched as, like, Davy Jones, the mid-bag, we'll get to him when we get to him, but, yeah, as a bad guy, this is a weird jump to make because I always, like, especially now looking at it, it's kind of like Wonder Woman, where you have, like, this, like, built-up, you know, built like, this big-ass, like, badass god, and, like, the real villain is pasty old British dude. <laughs> like, it's... Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I was just thinking, yeah. it's... It, it, doesn't, it doesn't work as well because Tom Hollander's not... He's not very intimidating. Like, imagine this role played by someone like a Benedict Cumberbatch or uh, an Alan Rickman or Antonio Banderas. Why not? <laughs> because, you know what? I'm, tell, I'm telling you what. <laughs> I'll always picture him as, which came out around the same time, which probably didn't help, and it was also a period piece, um, as Mr. Collins and Pride and Prejudice. He was in Pride and Prejudice, wasn't he? 
Yeah, if anyone is not familiar with that film uh, or the book, Mr. Collins is like, he's not a good guy, but he's not like someone to be concerned about. Like, he's not intimidating. So to me, the second he pops up on the screen in Pirates, I'm just like, oh, that like kind of like slimy Mr. Collins. And like, that's the vibe that he gives off in this movie. Like that poor man can only play like one role apparently. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it doesn't make him a very good, like intimidating villain. I feel like. Especially compared to someone we get later in the film, which we'll get, which we'll get to in a second. But uh, yeah, we find out he is there because despite the fact that we were told that Will was pardoned by the government in the last movie, he's being arrested again because the the EIC's the EIC's uh, EIC motherfucker man, uh, Will and uh, what's 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 her face uh, Elizabeth are being arrested for their crimes against the crown, mainly piracy, hep, hep, everything everything they did with Jack Sparrow. They're basically facing the consequences of that now, and also Norring, also Norrington. We find out Norrington is the he's wanted too. He's he has arrest warrant, uh, but it's because he he gave his commission. We find out why in the movie, and it's ridiculous. But again, we'll get to it. Uh, so yeah, uh, it continues on. We find out that uh, th- they're arrested, and we, get, we cut to the Black Pearl. Uh, Gibbs is Gibbs is on it, and they're waiting. And speaking of the style and like tone change, this next scene this freaked me out when I was a kid because I, I okay, like, I'll, yep. I'll, I'll date myself. I'll date myself right now because this came out when I was I was like nine years old when this came out, and I love the original Pirates. Oh man, I feel old. <laughs> and so we cut to the Black Pearl. We then like follow a bunch of crows to a prison and we see like this dude like screaming for his life these other guys in cages and there's like one scene it's like really freaky where, like you see a crow like take a guy's eye like out of his socket it's like what what franchise what studio is this because this is like this is <laughs> this is horrifying Disney after dark uh, yeah this, this does feel like, high, like after dark. super crazy yeah and like, yeah, it's like very visceral. Like this is this really like pushes the boundaries for a PG thirteen. Like, like, like one squirt of blood, and you get PG thirteen rating. Boom. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like a, almost like a like how uh, late HBO used to show raunchy, raunchy things like later on at night. It's always something like that because you never would associate Disney with showing something like this. Yes, right. Definitely, uh, I and, and I being. 23 at the time that I watched this film. Thank you for dating me. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I could see, you know, at, at your age where that would come off as a little bit, uh, you know, creepy for sure. But it, again, this is going for a whole different vibe. This whole entire film, like how we said the opening, you know, it's set to rain. It kind of sets the tone that this movie is going to be completely different than how we, you know, saw the first one, The Curse of the Black Pearl. You know what I mean? This is going to be a lot darker, a lot more. Yeah, you know, somber of a of a mood. We hope you like, and we hope you like this ungodly dark tone because they're going to carry it on right until the next movie. But, <laughs> now, something I will give credit to is that something I like from the first movie quite a bit is Jack Sparrow's intro. I thought oh. it was irreverent. I thought it was funny. I thought it perfectly encapsulated the kind of character he was. And I gotta say, this one they really kind of stick to that theme because you see like these guys throwing like uh, caskets into the water. And then you follow one into like this into the ocean. A bird lands on one, taps on it, and then he just gets blo- get blown the fuck up. And then right <laughs> in the middle, like you see, just Jack Sparrow just like pl- like climb out of the coffin like a zombie or some shit. And then just like r- grab like grab a foot from the body he's laying on top of, which makes me question how big is that coffin that you could fit both Jack Sparrow and a body in it at the same time? And <laughs> the, the other funny thing is he didn't move 
he didn't move like hard enough to where that water would actually seep into the casket. You know what I mean? That's like, true. He, he stayed he stayed perfectly still enough so there was no water, so it didn't capsize. That's true. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jack Sparrow he, defi- he defies physics. Uh, so he gets up and rolls away back <laughs> back to the pearl. We find out that actually. This is actually a thing in the video game. This is like the At World's End video game, which is weird because it takes place over the last two game, the last two movies. It's an odd choice, but we find out that he was there because he, I again, I don't understand the logic, but he went into this, he went into this prison to find a drawing. Yes, I know how that sounds. He went in to find a drawing of a key, and that's a what drawing. A draw. It is a drawing. Of a key, <laughs> and okay, actually, I'll, I'll talk about this right now because looking at this movie again, looking at this movie, especially watching so close back to back, when people talk about how the character of Jack Sparrow and how Jeff's performance really kind of deteriorated over the films, I do kind of see it watching these so close together because, yeah, he's not treating the role with as much, but he's st- he's still acting. He's still acting quite a bit, but he's not treating the role as much with respect as he used to. I don't know if you guys got the same vibe as I did. Uh, I mean, I think he still was on par with the Curse of the Black Pearl. The, you which think he so? Sees, kind of what you get. Like, I, obviously, we'll talk about it when we get to the third it's, film, and then I don't think it's like a massive. I don't think it's like a massive way. degree of difference, but I do know it's like a certain degree of difference. I think it's more that the studio was like, oh my God, he was a hit in the first one. And in the first one, he didn't have that much to do. Like he was a side character. And then in the second and the third one, they're like, let's make him a star. And that character is so much better in small doses. Like if you give him too much to do, you're like, oh, please stop. Stop with the rum jokes. We get it already. Stop. The the Bethany, the rum is always gone. Why is that? That's always gone. It's like, like congratulations, you're an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> Should go with that. I mean, gonna... Pirate, so yeah. Should but... go with that today. Yeah. <laughs> congratulations, you're gonna have no liver. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, uh, we can we continue on. He's, he's going to, out to look for this. We also find out that the monkey who cursed himself again somehow found his way back to the ship. No explanation. Right. This no reason. All about coincidences. It's though, all about man. coincidences. Literally, because like I'll watch this film and we'll talk later on about it, though. Obviously, but like. These people just happen to be in the same place all the time. Mm-hmm. They, everybody knows where everybody's going. Apparently, they have like GPS and like Tom Toms and stuff like well, that. The chances are, it's probably Tortuga, is what we're all supposed to assume. <laughs> I mean, that's I where, that, I mean yeah. if, if you find a pirate, go to Tortuga. That's, that's where they all are. All of them. Yeah, they are. Uh, so, anyways, uh, we cut back to uh, Will, Will and uh, British Dandy. What's his face? Um, Cutler Beck. Oh, British Dandy. Beckett. Uh, so, we find out that. Uh, the pirate brand. Actually, Caleb told us this in the last in the last uh, review. The pirate brand P that uh, Sparrow has on his arm. Beckett's the one that gave it to him. Again, not entirely sure where he got it and like why piracy in that place is a brandable offense as opposed to death as it is everywhere else. But regardless, we digress. Uh, we find out that the thing he wants is Jack's compass, which is a very important thing. That yeah, remember how in the first movie how that was just like a little like, we're doing this a lot. But remember in the first movie. How that was like a little like fun little joke. She's like, oh, he's got a compass doesn't point north. That's funny. Well, now that compass is the most important thing in this franchise. They're like, listen, we can't uh, we can't introduce something new. We have to we have to keep what do we have from the first one? Uh, you Mike, know? Mike, you're about to say something. 
trying to make money off my nostalgia, even for a movie that came out three years prior. <laughs> three years. My nostalgia for three years. Ago. I'm, already, I'm already so nostalgic for it that they're like, we're going to get some money off her. You know what? They did. I went and saw it at midnight. So they weren't wrong. <laughs> they were not wrong. I'm pretty, sure I, I'm pretty sure I saw it pretty late, too. But he, he offers him a... Actually, no, he doesn't offer him anything. He offers Jack, for some reason, like a full pardon and a job with the British Royal Navy, which... Not sure how that works. I'm just like, if you, okay, so if you find him, what do you get out of it? There's no guarantee you get anything out of it. Yeah. <sighs> Seriously. But ne- but never 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 the mind. So uh, we'll turn the sides to go off and look and look for Jack. Uh, where else? Where else does he go? Like Bethany said, Tortuga, because that's Tortuga. You need a pirate. That's where you head. <laughs> back to back to Jack though, real quick. As as we as we said earlier, the rum is gone. It's always gone. So he goes down to the the cellar of the ship and meets the other uh, one of the new characters in this film, uh, Bootstrap Bill Turner, who we initially believed to be dead, right? And he still yeah. kind of, he still kind of is, but he's Bill Turner, William's father, played by Stellan Skarsgård. The weird thing I have with this one is in the first movie again in the first movie. Uh, they said that how much they looked alike, like so much so they even confused them all the time. But you look at well, Orlando Bloom looks nothing like Stellan Skarsgård. Not even close. No. no. <laughs> they, they look as much alike as John Cena and Vin Diesel. And they're supposed to be brothers. Oh, boy. <laughs> we're getting, we're, yeah, we went there. We went there. <laughs> uh, but anyways, we find out that, well, as, as opposed to what Kale told us last week, he... Uh, Turner was cursed when he was sent to the bottom of the ocean. He was down there, stuck to a cannon, unable to die, when someone picked him up, and someone Jack made a deal with a long time ago, Davy Jones. Uh, it turns out, he, turns out he made a deal with him that he was going to be Captain of the Black Pearl for 13 years, and after that, he was going to be sentenced to like 100 years servitude, lifetime servitude, I don't know. But he's gonna get, he's like, Jack Sparrow, I'm going to get your ass. And he's... He's marked with something that's from a lot of pirate lore. Like most notably, the one I know is uh, Treasure Island. He's marked with the black spot, which I will give him credit. I don't give him credit for a lot of stuff in this scene. First of all, the, the design of the black spot. I like the fact that, like, unlike in Treasure Island, it's not just like a piece of paper you give him. <laughs> just like, it's, it's not like here, here you go. Now, don't you lose that. That's how we're gonna find you later. Another thing is, and we'll talk about it later when we get to the crew uh, of David Jones's crew. I do like the design. Of all of them, because like you look at them, they're like they're like covered in like covered in like moss and like coral, and like you look at you look at like uh, you know Bill Turner over here, he's got like muscles on his face, not like muscles like you know like like muscles you build. He's got like like clam like shellfish muscles. Like th- these designs are actually really done, and the fact that it's all practical, I think I think makes it look even cooler. But. Like we said, Jack is marked, and now we have the chase. He needs to go because Davy Jones will catch him if he stays around for too long. He also loses his trademark hat, which he cares so much about. That and the monkey, the monkey's a douche because he throws it over the, he throws it overboard, and it goes off. These two guys pick it up, and this is actually like a really, really cool scene that makes no sense when you get to later in the film. But he, he goes on. These two fishermen pick it up, and then you hear like something go after it. It's under the water, and then. You feel like we hear Jack talk about like Jones is terrible beastie, and like in a matter of like less than a second, this entire ship is just like yanked underwater, and you're just like, oh shit, what is that? Mm-hmm. 
I, I do think this is like a really good job of like building up anticipation of what this whole thing is. So yeah, that's yeah. So we find out. So uh, we get and cut back to Will. He finds the island going through all of Tortuga. He finds the island where the Black Pearl is, and we find he encounters this native tribe. This whole segment, I find, especially on rewatch, I find to be really bizarre because it's this whole. It's this whole thing where, like, Jack is brought in as this, like, tribe leader. Like, he's, he's made, like, this chief of this tribe, which is actually alluded to in the first film. But yeah. they're going to, like, roast him and eat him alive <laughs> because they think he's a god. Like, he's, ba- he's basically C-3PO in Return of the Jedi. As a matter of fact, it's actually compared a lot to Return yes. of the Jedi. Yes! That's exactly what I think of, except I feel like Star Wars did it better. It did. Well, they, also knew ca- they also knew to keep the story flowing, at least for the most part, but... Yeah. This is just a diversion. This this interrupts it for a good chunk of time. Yeah, this 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 segment goes on for like twenty minutes, and it doesn't really have yeah. a whole lot Too to long. do with anything. Yeah, and, and the other thing is, like, if if you were to be a god, why would you want to eat the person? Why would you just not want to, you know, what I mean, appease them by like just worshiping them like on Earth as they are? You know, it's kind of weird. Yeah, but anyway, so uh, Will is sent off with the rest of the crew of the Black Pearl, who are being held in cages. Oh, yeah, another super dark thing in this movie. They're being held in cages made from bones of the other crew members, which again is weird because they're. they're but like, they're, it's not like they're like on the ground. They're like suspended like midair because, yeah, the strength of bones has is strong enough to hold at least ten, or in one case nine and a half, fully grown men. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Marty, I had had to go there. <laughs> So yeah, they uh, like like we said, this, this segment goes on forever. They have a whole thing where like they swing around inside the skull, the skull balls. We we'll get to it in a second, but uh, meanwhile, back in Port Royal, uh, Governor Swan breaks. <laughs> I do find this scene funny. I'll tell you why in a second. Governor Governor Swan breaks Elizabeth out of jail. He's going to send her to England so where he can try to get her you know off for the crime she did. He goes to the harbor where like this captain's waiting for him, and like you just see him standing at you see him standing like right at the pier. But then, like, when he gets up to him, we find out that Mr. Mercer, who is Beckett's, like, right-hand dude, is just, like, standing, like, on the other side of him with, like, a knife inside of him. Like, he killed him. But he's also, like, going through trouble to make sure he's, like, standing upright. Like, wh- why would you do that? <laughs> it's just like, okay, I'm, g- I'm, g- I'm going to freak him out, like, really bad. It's going to be so cool. Just got to make sure this body stays up right. <laughs> it's just like, that's, it seems like a lot of effort to go through for no reason. <laughs> I also feel like the, which I guess is kind of the point of a right-hand man, is they're supposed to be, like, the enforcer. But I feel like he's so much more intimidating he than, is. like, Beckett actually yep. is. I'm like, oh, this guy's an interesting villain. Uh, not slimy. And let's give him 15 seconds yeah, screen and time. Yeah, and then he gets his screen time. Oh, but speaking, I thought he was interesting. Speaking of 15 seconds, Beckett's back, and Beckett's back for another, like, two and a half minutes. <laughs> Yay, more seconds. Yay! Uh, yeah, uh, Elizabeth corners him in his office. And I, uh, for, well, actually, I do. He had that's my favorite line in maybe his entire franchise. Maybe his my favorite line of his entire franchise, where he's just like, "I'm listening." Elizabeth points a gun at him. I'm listening intently, just like that. This is like so nonchalant. I do like, <laughs> I do like that delivery. And you know, so he wants the compass because, as she and the audience at this point believe that we believe that compass points to Ila de Muerta, in from the first movie, which. Also, throwaway line. We find out that 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 that, uh, that island sank somehow. I'm not. I'm, I'm not even going to question it. Uh, <laughs> but turns out that is not the case. The island does indeed point to something else. Or sorry, that compass points to something else. We don't know what. 
But anyways, cut away to more characters. You see the problem with this movie? <laughs> you see the problem with all there this? There is a lot of hopping around, yes. though. There's too much going on. There is too a lot much going of hopping on. around. And, speak, like, and speaking of uh, new characters, guess who's back from the first movie? Pintel and Rigetti. That's right, Bumbling Pirate Pair number one. Uh, they, yeah, they are going out there on a rowboat. They somehow became the only ones to get the dog with the keys to go and let them out of jail. <laughs> a dog will become very important in the next movie. <laughs> Yeah, they, they somehow broke out, and ju- they just so happened to be on the same island that Will and the rest of the crew of the Black Pearl are. What a coinky-dink. <laughs> See, I'm telling you, it's all about coincidence. All about coincidences. Uh, so, anyway, this, this, is, this is the part of the movie that I find to be, for lack of a better word, odd. Like, just, just every, every choice in this one's just... Done for no particular reason. Like Jack, Jack, Jack Sparrow is given a, like a necklace of toes. There's a scene where like they're trying to escape their like skull cages. So like they swing and they're trying to like climb up a wall. But then in like the middle of that, like they're ta- they're talking about like it's gonna take all of us to crew the pearl. You don't need everyone. About six will do. And then they start like racing to go do it. Just like why? <laughs> <laughs> it's, no point. it's like I'm like aren't aren't y'all on, aren't y'all on the same crew? Don't, wouldn't you wouldn't you want as many men as possible? You know, the, you know what? it doesn't matter because one picks up a snake, they 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 and they fall to their very grisly deaths. And I mean, it figures one's like full of like unnamed characters, and the other one it's you know one has Cotton, Will, Marty, Gibbs, random black guy and random Asian. So it's it's pretty clear which one's gonna survive to make it to the pearl. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this this is this is where the skull ball starts rolling, and Jack has to go to make another one of his elaborate escapes. I, I, now, if you thought his escape in the first movie was elaborate, this is pole vaulting over the moon. Literally, pole vaulting over the moon, <laughs> because yeah. like he's attacked, he attacks this like giant What's with food. Yeah, no, like he, he he's attached to this like giant this like giant like pole. And then he attacks the other women. They start throwing fruit at him, make him a Jack Sparrow and fruit kebab. And then he decides to go <laughs> run pole vaults all the way over a chasm. <laughs> and, and if that were, like, ridiculous enough, he falls off that chasm, and, like, th- like, 300 feet through, like, bridges, through, like, through ropes. So, yeah, no, Jack Sparrow's dead now. <laughs> Like, I don't care. He doesn't even have a broken bone. Not man. even a broken bone. Uh, yeah, but uh, no, Jack Jack Sparrow is very he's, he's very much dead. But no, he's not because the movie needs to keep happening. And the crew of the the crew of the of the Black Pearl, at least what's left of them, escape this completely pointless venture. And I mean completely pointless. Uh, so yeah, moving on to the mo- moving on to the rest of the you know, again get back to the yeah, real the plot. actual movie to the real plot. We see that oh, <laughs> actually before but we get to the real plot. Ta- Good, but that's what that's what I was saying. Like in our first review, this is the thing that I feel like really starts hurting these pirate movies is the sheer length of these films. Yeah. You know what I mean? You are. But you're starting to add more time, and as we'll talk about in the third film, you're making it longer and longer, but you could cut so much of this crap out. And on top of it, you're introducing these different things. Uh, we don't know anything that just happened, on, like sidebar, what happened to get, you know what I mean, just like even the beginning of the film. We have no reason what the hell happened. How did Beckett become into power, all this other stuff? We have Ooh, no idea he? what all this stuff, you know? Yeah, it's a lot of weird. And like, like, that's, that's, I mean, like the next scene with Elizabeth, who somehow like stowed her way onto uh, – 
some some kind of ship. I don't know if it's pirates. I don't know if it's like traders. They never they never really make it clear. But like she gets on, they find her dress, which if you're gonna go to the trouble of sneaking onto a ship, why would you just throw that away? Sentimental value? I don't know. Again, so we could have a whole other like pointless plot line. But that every time I watch it, I'm like, if you had other clothes, why would you bring the dress on the boat? That's it's never been explained, and it bothers me. What What if the occasion came up? You know, she wanted to be ready. <laughs> it's true. She may have been, like ballroom dancing. We don't. I know. mean, what if there's a fancy dinner to be had, and like you know, she needs a to wear you know fancy attire etiquette, you know, and she she has a dress. She has her, her ballroom her dress. Nonetheless, yeah. I was like, I was gonna touch on like I talked I talked about random black guy earlier when he was in the cage. Yeah, when they're in the cage, there's like this black, there's like this random black dude, random Asian guy. The Asian guy disappears. We never see what happens to him, but like the black dude is with them the entire rest of the movie, and they never give him a name. He gets one line yep. at the end of the film, but like he just he's just in the movie now, and I don't know why. Don't know what his credit is as. Random black Ooh. guy. Random black guy. That's what, that's, that's what he's credited. That's what he's credited as. That's what he is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, uh, again, cutting back to the main crew of the movie, uh, we see that uh, we see that they're going to this to this place. We don't we don't know where, but they're going to see someone they refer to as her, which is uh, we, again we we don't establish again. They do a good job of building up this character. We also get a sense of Davy Jones. Uh, again, this this franchise still continues to be really good at building character by just talking about him, just like making him seem kind of otherworldly, otherworldly in a sense. We find out Davy Jones is uh, the big beastie that we're they're building up to is called the Kraken. Paycheck Neeson. Actually, no, no, the, the Neeson paycheck comes later. Never, never mind. I, I spoke too soon. <laughs> but the person they're rowing to see, which. I'm assuming they're rowing a really long time because they start during the day, and by the time they get to her house, it's nighttime. Again, I'm not going to question it. Why should you? Uh, they get there, we find out the person they're going to meet is Tia Dalma, a voodoo-type witch character played by Naomi Harris, which was my first introduction to this actress, period, because I never, I never really seen her in anything else. I don't know. Did you guys see her in anything else before this? I didn't. Before that, no. This had to be it, probably, yeah. Yeah, I would, I would say this was probably the first... You know, it, it was funny because like going back now and rewatching, like, oh my god, that's Naomi Harris. Like, you know what I mean? You you get more like because in two thousand and six, man, I didn't know who she was. It was really weird to see her like in, like pop up in Skyfall as Money Penny, and then like and then I realized like, oh shit, that's the same actress. Good for her. Yeah. <laughs> well, weird thing that threw me off about this character is the fact that this is just like a, a, a me thing. She reminds me of my grandmother because my grandmother is also an Islander, and like her type of her pattern of speech. Is just like this, and yeah, and it it, it always like drove me cra- it always like drove me crazy watching this movie. But again, like the co- the costume design and like makeup for this movie is still just as good as the first one because like you look at like you look at something like Tia Dalma, she has like so much personality given just her look. Like you, like she's a character you see and you're just like I want to know more about that character. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. They do a great job with that. Yeah, and like, and to her credit, like she she commits. She knows what movie she's in, and she commits a hundred percent. I'd say she's out of the new characters that are introduced. The one that I left the movie going, I- I'd like to see more of her. Well, boy, did we! And, and boy, boy, did we! And boy, did we! And yeah, well, <laughs> again, we're gonna get to that next week. 
I may have regretted that wish uh, on second thought, thinking of the third movie. <laughs> so, 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 Pirates 3 was your fault. Thank you, Bethany. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Damn you. It was on me. So, anyways, uh, we find out that, well, um, among other things, first of all, the compass that Beckett wants so badly came from Tia Dalma. And we also get a sense that the it, there is, like we said, there is more to this compass than... I hate I hate to pull this line from Transformers. There's more to this compass than meets the eye. And I hate yeah, the fact uh, that I said that. I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. Paycheck, Michael Bay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is where we also get a sense of date. We also get a sense of like what this whole plot is about. Yes, merely. Let me check. About an hour in, we finally get a sense of what we're doing in this movie. Uh, we see that that key leads to a chest. That chest belongs to Davy Jones, and Davy Jones was a dude. He was cur- he was cursed to this. It's a really complicated story. But he was cursed to the sea because like that was his job. His job was to, like ferry people to the other side. Hence, Davy Jones Locker, basically like pirate devil type guy. Uh, but he there's a problem. He sensed he got feelings for a woman because that's what that's what the story always is in these movies. Uh, so as a result, the logical way, he cut out his own heart. Put it in a box because he somehow knew that wasn't going to kill him, and hid that sh- and hid that shit away. I don't know why he didn't like throw that. But like, you know, what's funny. The funny thing is, like, when you see where he hid the box, he didn't like. Do you think like there's there's got to be a better way to <laughs> there's got to be a better way to hide that thing, right? Like maybe like throw it to the bottom of the ocean, like maybe like maybe like burn it. I don't I don't know, but there's got to be a better way to hide this thing. Yeah, that's you, you might as well just put leaves over like a hole. <laughs> just a, and they didn't have to dig very far. Or walk far they did, they or did walk not far. have to they did not have to dig far to get it. Like, whoop, oh, there it is. So like, hey, we, 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 we told you we buried it. I mean we didn't tell you how far. <laughs> like they they buried it about as well as the as the guys who buried the mother box in Justice League. Just like like uh, remember that like Am- Amazonians like big big treasure room with, like a thousand guards at all times Atlantis yeah. big throne room with, with like a thousand guys uh, Grace of Man they bury it in a hole like not even a deep hole like a hole like a foot deep yeah that's and I, and I guess maybe they did it like that they made it like not so elaborate just because of the fact that they wanted to save like i mean because at the at, at that time if it was more elaborate you're adding more running time to the to the film maybe i don't know is that just us? They, listen I, I i'm just trying to you know hypothesize what i think possibly that's um, that's, that's where you I, first just, fucked up yeah i yeah i thought that, that was the wrong thing to do but um yeah yeah just not, not hit very well we also we also find out that uh davy jones cannot step on land except for once every 10 years Mm-hmm. And we also find the ship is a flying Dutchman. So, in order to in order to combat him, you must carry land with you. And they give him like a jar of, a jar of dirt, which is really where you could when you consider the fact that he paid the monkey for it. So, you spent an undead monkey on something you could have gone outside to grab. Yeah. Okay, that's what we're doing. Uh, the no. undead monkey does something interesting, though. Oh yeah, that's right. We uh, well, I guess we touch on it now. Go there for the end. But we, uh, yeah, he does go there. There's a body in another room. You see the boots. You don't really see who it is, but he just go. He just goes to it. And again, they 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 bring that full circle at the end. But yeah, it's a very he makes a beeline to the boots. <laughs> yeah, they, they they make sure they make sure you know the monkey is very attracted to those boots. They want they want you to know because they cut back to it like three or four times. Foreshadowing. Yeah. 
You also, it's also like a weird thing. Like, but back to the Jared Jarrett, it's also like a weird thing to. I don't know how it's supposed to combat Jones because, like, does that mean he can't like touch? He can't touch anything that resembles like solid Earth for ten years. Because if so, does that mean why? Why can't he touch the wood? Why can't he touch like cloth? <laughs> it's 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 very odd this rules. Is the, this is the problem. Like they're introducing too many things and too many like you know situations and stuff like that. Or like I feel like you know if this then that. You know what I mean? It, it, it's full of it. And there's like there's so much of it. And it's easy to get like muddled down with all this you know lore. You know I feel like just the sheer amount of characters and. Like it's it's almost like you know as well not as vast as like obviously like Lord of the Rings or Star Wars Galaxy, but it feels sort of similar too. Like with all the the different places and the different people and all the things that are being thrown out at you at once, you know. Speaking of different people, the next scene they send or they send uh, Will turn to what they tell him is the Flying Dutchman, but it's just like this like rundown like half sunk ship. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I don't know how the ship is still up. If like half of it's underwater, but ne- but nevertheless, uh, this yeah. So they they send him in there, and this is where we get the introduction to Jones's pirate crew. And much like with uh, Bootstrap Turner, like he the designs on all of these guys are Amazing. really yeah. Like they yeah they look fantastic. Like like they're all like half fish people. There's like an urchin guy and a hammerhead shark guy, and there's. I can. Yeah. yeah hammer, hammer, hammerhead shark guy is always the favorite. Yeah, they also like give like another like really like chilling visual where like, a guy like comes like comes on the bo- on board. And we're told earlier like the Kraken's tentacles like, like suck off faces and you see a guy with no face. Yeah, that yep. freaks me out. Yeah. No. That yeah, that that too, that too freaked me out when I was a kid. <laughs> but, but props to Will. Like he sees all he sees all these like fish people. He he still tra- he tries to fight. <laughs> He does can't do he's shit. Chill about it, all things considered, you know. He tries I mean, to fight. He 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 was Legolas. He man, was like he was Legolas. <laughs> man, come on, Legolas didn't no, no shit. Just, him. just saying. Uh, but this is where we get to the second. What I guess the secondary villain of the film, Davy Jones, which I love the buildup because it, t- it it takes you like one to two minutes to see his face. You just see everything about him. Like you see his hand. You see he's got like a lobster claw. And then you see his face. He's got like an octopus for a head. The design on Jones, I think, is incredible. Yeah, yep. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And and the fact, kind of how you said, we don't see Davy Jones until literally an hour even into the movie. So they've already built this guy up. So you, you know, us as the audience are kind of like, you know, we're getting anxious to see who this, you know, Davy Jones character is because he's supposed to be so menacing and so vile and stuff like that. So I, I and, and I, I love the build up for it. And I will say, like, and we could use time to talk, talk about him now because this character, he absolutely, for all the things we say about this movie, this character delivers. Like the yeah, look yeah. is great. Yeah, I agree. It's Bill Nye is Davy Jones, and it's, it's, it's a lot of motion capture, which is a time where this wasn't really too, too common. And, yeah, he is, every time he's on screen, like, you're, like you're chilling, you're tense. He's, like, a terrifying force to look at. <laughs> and they also use the organ music to really amplify the yeah, tone with him. That's awesome. I love the organ music. They really do. Like, I, I, I think... Accent that he uses, like the the voice and like the weird little like flourishes he puts on words, which like gives him that like squid esque quality. 
just yeah. uh, all around good performance. Yeah, like this is one of I think in, in like the grand scheme of like motion capture performances, Bill Nye is David Jones, one that like really gets lost lost in the shuffle because he's really great. In For sure, this film and in the sequel. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we find out that this is basically how this is, this is basically his recruitment method for his crew. He's every time he finds a sunken ship, he's like, "Hey, you want to come serve with me?" Everyone's just like, "Okay, sure, why not?" <laughs> uh, but not, but not, <laughs> not, not Will Turner, <laughs> not Will Turner. He's just like, "Hey, yo, uh, Jack Sparrow sent me." He's like, "Oh yeah," and I do love the way this next shot is put together because you see Jack looking at looking at uh, Jones through a telescope. And like oh, Jones yeah. stares at him, and when he puts the scope down, he's standing right in front of him. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just like yeah, uh, once again, adding to how threatening a villain David Jones really is. Uh, and so yeah, like we said, uh, he was supposed to be captain for thirteen years, which he tries to argue he was out. He's like, oh, I was only captain for two years, and then I was mutinied. Well, then you're a shitty captain, but you're still a captain, right? <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, uh, you're supposed to, you're supposed to come you're supposed to come work for me now. <laughs> you see, like Jack Sparrow does, bars his way out of it. Uh, he says, like, okay, you know what? I'll let you off the hook, but oh, well, actually, first of all, he tries to send William. He tries to send Will in his place, <laughs> like because like like Jack Sparrow is still like just an opportunist as he is. He tries to sell him in his in his place, and he's just like one soul is not equal to him. They're like, okay, how many am I worth? It's like one hundred souls. I'm like, really? If you, Seems pricey. Seems a little high for someone like Jack Sparrow. But hey, I've never, uh, never been an actuator for souls, so what do I know? <laughs> but it's nice that he gives them three days to do it. You know, I know three days. Very, very generous. <laughs> it's very generous. No big deal. Thirty, thirty-three souls a day. We can do it. We no can do. We, we can do this. <laughs> well, I do feel like it almost contradicts everything from the first movie. The whole like, oh, but you have heard of me. And then Davy Jones is like, you're worth 100 souls. And again, yeah, I've never gone around collecting souls. But I'm like, and apparently he's not a big deal. That's what the first movie told me. That is true. Why is he worth 100 souls? I, I, I would want a soul count for every one of these characters. Like, how many souls is Will Turner worth? How many <laughs> souls is uh, Gibbs worth? Beckett? <laughs> how many you just s- have random numbers showing up on the bottom right of the screen. <laughs> I, do 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 are Cotton and his parrot counted as separate entities? Soul, how many souls are each of them worth? Seriously, I think the the undead might be worth the most souls. Oh yeah, to me. Um, one? that's a high price, I think, in souls. How, how many souls is the monkey worth? <laughs> Two thousand. There you go. Give, give him the and he already oh, he already sold the monkey. Too bad. Oh, yeah, for dirt. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's been a while since we've seen Elizabeth Swan. Let's go back to her and see what she's doing. Uh, but they come back to the ship she's stowing away on. And we now realize why she had this dress because she needed to stage an elaborate haunting scenario in order to tell these guys to go to Tortuga because they don't want to go there. Uh, which we didn't need to do so stupid. Which we did. Yeah, we didn't need to do it. We could have just said, like, hey, you could have just, like, like, if you literally just had that scene, like, we're going to Tortuga. Yeah. And then cut to the next Nato Tugo. Like, yeah, but no, they had this whole like elaborate like haunting thing for literally no reason. But hey, we're back we're back to Tortuga for the second time in this film. But I will give credit. The mu- like another thing this movie does just as well as the first one, the music, the orchestration, this is one where Hans Maybe. Zimmer fully took over as composer. And yeah, it really shows it has like the, the score definitely has a like a way more epic feel to it. 
and and even like the lighter moments, like does fairly well. Like I do like the song that plays during this whole bar scene when they're recruiting everybody. With like the the house band, and they couldn't afford the jizz whalers from the Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> ah, they they passed. Who do we get? Yeah, sure, why not? Uh, so yeah, they. So yeah, they're recruiting souls, and then one guy comes up, and we don't see his face, but he's telling us like you, like my life was ruined, a hurricane, all this, uh, all this other shit, and it's like, wait a minute. James Norrington. And I, admittedly, when I was a kid, I had no idea who this was. <laughs> like, what? Like, well, because well, you're three years removed from the first film, too. That's true. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it, it helps watching, literally, this past week, watching, you know, obviously, you know, Curse of the Black Pearl, and then seeing, you know, Dead Man's Chest. Like, oh, it's, it's easier to, to pick that out as opposed to, well, three years later, I have no idea who the hell this guy is. Yeah, especially because he looks like very, very different. Like he, he's had yeah. some hard time. Like, pick. Yeah, like, he's had some hard time. He lost his commission, lost his crew because, like a genius, he decided to follow the Black Pearl into a hurricane, as you do. Yeah, <laughs> duh. So yeah, uh, he wants a job with Jack. He wants a job on Sparrow's crew, which I don't think Sparrow's really in a place to deny him this. I mean, that's that's just, that's just one more soul you don't got to collect, and you're not doing too well tonight. So. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, and, you know, as is typical, as any place like this, bar fight breaks out. And this this seems like this really confused me, because they're clearly trying to go for, like, a darker, more serious tone, but this fight is, it's it's a comedic-type fight. I mean, it, it is semi-serious, but at the same time, you have Jack Sparrow looking for new hats. Yeah. And, I, I and, then, the, and then the bar band playing. They're, they're like, still going. They're yeah. still going. They're still, still going to make their tips. Yeah. They don't. They don't stop. I, I I will say I do like the bit where like he he grabs it. He grabs the hat off of one guy, pushes him over. Then like there's another dude like about to be thrown over the ledge. Like wait, put that on him. Go ahead. <laughs> and they just throw him over anyways. <laughs> uh, but then uh, coincidentally, Elizabeth just happens to walk in this same bar. Again, what a coinky dink. And then they and then knocks on Norrington. That's where the fight. That's where the fight ends. And then if they throw him out to the pigs. And that's that's basically that. Which I, what 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 a coincidence! They all end up at the same bar at the same, at the same time. That's what I'm telling. I'm telling you, dude. One bar it's all, in Tortuga, evidently. There's only one bar. It's all about coincidence, man. That is true. That is the same bar from the first movie. There's only one bar in Tortuga. That's it. It's the only one they have. It's like it's, like it's like Riverdale. Pops Pops Diner is the only place. The only place there is to eat. <laughs> the only place to eat. They can't eat at their house. There aren't grocery stores. There aren't other restaurants. It's just just pops. Just the one. <laughs> uh, so anyway, cut back to cut back to the Dutchman where William is serving among the fish people. Which <laughs> I don't know when. I, don't, I wonder when he becomes a, fi- a fish person because he's been sold into servitude. <laughs> when when is when does he earn his moss and his coral? Take like what's the process? I wonder. How do you, how do you, how do you earn your how do you earn your coral? Uh, but yeah, uh, then this this is a odd scene because it was like Turner grab grab the ledge or grab the rope and then there's two captain and there's two guys named Turner which you know like sea urchin guy knows this so I don't know why he didn't specify yeah that'd be that'd be like saying reveal is why I know right yeah it's like it's like Smith there's like seven like ten people that go up there (laughs) I said Johnson oh crap (laughs) (laughs) Michael what (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, but uh, they they drop they drop the can. Uh, they're trying to hoist up, and 
it's somehow William's fault. So they decide. So oh, it's time for a good lashing as mm. punishment. And in a really like, I actually like commend this move on Jones in like a really like cruel twist. Which uh, in, a, in a really cruel twist, they decide to make uh, <laughs> they decide to make Bootstrap do it. He has to lash his own son. So, I mean, because how else are you gonna know his name is Toby, right? So <laughs> he goes and he gives him his lashing. He's just like, oh yeah, that was mercy because the last guy he probably was on cleaving flesh from bone. Which I'm, I mean, I don't I don't understand why they couldn't have shown that. I mean, we had eyeball gouging a few scenes earlier. <laughs> why, 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 why is that over the line? <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, they connect. We find out that eventually, if you serve too long, you eventually become part of the ship, like literally part of the ship, where like you will get stuck to a wall for eternity. And the only way to free yourself is to, I guess, kind of get rid of get rid of Jones, which that's that's where the heart comes in place. So that's that's kind of where the base of his motivation starts. Meanwhile, at the same time, in back in Tortuga, which. Come thinking about it. I don't know why they didn't, they didn't just have those two scenes back to back and then cut to William and his stuff after right. this. Wouldn't that make more sense narratively flowing, like or like yeah. for pacing wise? There's a lot of things that would make sense, so you know. Yeah, probably. Right. I mean, probably yeah. right. But anyway, we find out that Jack's compass, in fact, point, points to the thing that your heart wants most. So, I. I'm not sure how this logic works, but because Will, because uh, Elizabeth wants to get William back, that means by that process she wants the key. So she holds the compass, then she's gonna know. <laughs> she's good. It's gonna point to where it is. Yeah. Don't understand. Yeah. Don't understand how that logic works. Obvious. That's obviously. Yeah. yeah. Trigger down. Yeah. For, I mean, for the sake of plot. For the sake of plot, that's that's how the thing works. And, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been about 30 minutes we've seen Beckett again. Here's Beckett again, taunting Elizabeth's dad. I've missed him. I've missed him. <laughs> Where's he been? He's, so me- he's such a menacing villain. Yeah. Uh, he, he, basically, he basically, like, ha, like, uh, your, 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 daughter's not, your, your daughter's gone, but my bidding will be done soon enough. Well, that's the end of that scene. Like, I'm, I'm very curious. Like, did, did, did Tom Hollander, like, charge per word? <laughs> Because looking back at it now, his scenes are like so, his scenes are surprisingly short. Yeah, they super short. Kind of in his contract somewhere. Like we, if he, if Mr. Hollander only says three hundred words, you will not have to pay him. You don't have to pay. You don't have to pay. He's him. only available for a day and a half. Yeah, a day and a half. I had to get all his scenes in. If, very no, quickly. like legit, yeah. it, it feels like all his scenes were shot in a day and a half. <laughs> Well, he, he, he can only give you two sentences per day. Yeah. That's all he's got in him. Yeah, well, yes. I, well, after that very crucial Beckett moment, we cut back to the Dutchman, the, where the real stuff is happening. And we see that uh, in the middle of all this, we, it turns into like a little mini sports movie because they're playing this game called Liar's Dice, which is actually yep. a game I had. I completely forgot how the rules work. But basically, like, you, you throw your dice down and you're just like, I have three sixes or whatever, and someone calls you a lot. I remember it working. Like you, you do it. You look at your, look. You lift your cup. You say what you have, and if the person believed you, you're good. Person didn't believe they called you a liar. If you were right, you take a die. If they're wrong, you lose a die. 
Now, this is not at all how the game in this movie works, because having seen this movie for years and years, I still really have no idea how this thing works, because they only have like six dice under their cups, and one of them just like 12 fives. And it's like, wait, are you counting everyone's fives? Just yours? I was, I was wondering the same thing. I'm like, shit, you don't have that many dice. Yeah. <laughs> I have 12 fives. You only got six dice. How's that possible? <laughs> I added more dice. You didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bad at math. Yes. I'm, a I'm a pirate for God's sake. Not a, not a scientist. I'm a pirate, not a scientist. I didn't go to school for this. Uh, yeah, but anyway, he, decide, he decides to enter a game of this, of this with Jones. If he loses, he's on the Dutchman for eternity. If he wins, uh, I think... Yeah, if he wins, he gets Jones's key, which I, that seems like something you wouldn't gamble with. <laughs> if you have something that, if you have something hey, listen, that will lead... Of the plot. If you have something that will lead to the thing that will kill you, <laughs> that's probably not something you would gamble with. Well, I mean, for sake of plot chance, you have to. You have to. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you you got to wrap this up in the next hour, so you only you only have an hour to wrap this up, so you, you have to do it. We do only have an hour to wrap this up. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> got to keep moving. <laughs> oh, there's also I, also... I also didn't even notice. There's, there's like... Meanwhile, like, William's dad tags in. There's also, like... It's like like two little shots. There's like a shrimp guy in the, behind him, and he's like way shorter than the rest of the crew. <laughs> but he's like he's like a, he's a shrimp dude. So yeah, much much like a lot of these pirates have like a lot of personalities. But the fact that you never really get a name or anything like the shrimp guy, the shark person, the urchin. Uh, but anyways, yeah, uh, lava girl, lava girl, boy. shark boy. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Jones wins the game because uh, Bootstrap interferes, but he's just like, it's not about winning the game, it's about finding out where the key is. But if, if you lost, but it kind of was about winning the game, because if you did lose, you were going to be stuck on that on that boat, and you were never going to get the key forever. off of it, forever. So, that no, that yeah. it's not about winning policy, it's kind of bullshit. So, thank your dad, William, you, you jerk. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, that night he decides to go and uh, steal. He decides to go and steal the key from Jones by hijack by jacking the move from Indiana Jones. Only in this situation it works because <laughs> he literally does a thing where you're like, okay, you gotta about the same weight, gotta slip it in, and hope he doesn't wake up. <laughs> but yeah, like, I'm pretty like, sure a cloth and a key do not weigh the same. Yeah, right. It's kind of like saying. it's kind of like Russell when we saw the Goldfinch, and we we're just like, yeah, there's no way that textbook and that painting were the same. <laughs> same yeah, page. that's that's complete. Yeah, the mathematician and the yeah must have been the same person from that one. Yeah, must must, must have been must have been the same. Whoever's doing the the weight <laughs> guy for this movie, he's moving on. It's to like, dude, work. I, dude, I got it. It's a textbook and a painting, same thing, same weight, same, same weight. Uh, but he he gets he gets the key and go and uh, goes off on his own way. To where he's picked. Uh, actually, we'll cut back to that in a second because this is where we cut back to uh, Jack Sparrow and company. Uh, we this is and again another like weird subplot because Lord knows maybe doesn't have enough. They decide to introduce a love triangle. Yeah, we're doing oh. this. <laughs> yeah, my my reaction is exactly Bethany because yeah they decided <laughs> to kind of throw a monkey wrench in the relationship of Will and Will and Elizabeth, which seemed pretty set forward, and start. And gave Jack a thing with Elizabeth as well, because they they have zero on screen chemistry together, like like love, you know what I mean, like passion like that. So I think yeah, it's, not I like think this. So so stupid. 
Yeah. Uh, go ahead. It's, it's just definitely my least favorite part of this movie and kind of the subsequent movie because it tumbles in a little bit it does. to it. But yeah, uh, so, so, we'll, so then again, cut back to Will. We see that he just so happens to be picked up by the same ship Elizabeth was on earlier in the film. <laughs> what a coincidence. What I'm a, telling you, it's pirate, Pirates of the Caribbean coincidence. Pirate, pirates, <laughs> of, pirates of the Coincidence being. That's, that's, what, that's what this is. Uh, <laughs> and they still did not throw the dress overboard, which, again, they're still, look, they're still looking for the bride, of the, the ghost of that bride who died before her wedding day. But oh no, the Flying Dutchman caught up to them, and they have decided to... Hold on, hold on. Uh, let me write a paycheck to Liam Neeson real quick. Uh, they decided to release the Kraken. <laughs> now, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the Kraken decides to attack this boat, and I will say an effective thing to do with this with this one is like you never really get a full shot of this cracking. It's just it's just the tentacles. Now, and it, in fact, it's so cool you don't even question how he's why he's taking so long with this ship when he took down that last ship in like less than two seconds. It's like I was like, you, you, this could this could be done like really quick. You're just taking your time. You don't play. You just want to play with your food, jerk. So Will Turner is on this boat. Yeah, so Will, we Will Turner. So that's, that's why he needs to take his time with this one. But I do love that one guy who, like, he swings an axe. He's like, hi yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he just picks him up. You know what this guy's talking about? I do. I, he, he does have a good moment. Yes. That was one of the good, uh, yeah, that was, like, a really good, like, extra moment in this one. But... Yeah, the destruction of this boat is actually like it's it's really well done, really well shot, really really well choreographed. As a matter of fact, like the CG and the CG and practical elements blend so well. Like half the time, you can't even tell which is which. Oh, we also we also see like one like one full shot of the Kraken, like it's barely visible, and that's again the thing of this movie. You never really get a full shot of the Kraken, which I think I think does benefit this film. It does leave an era it always leaves an era like a slight era of mystery about it <laughs> also i'm also looking at this movie right now and like as soon as like they as soon as they destroy this ship the dutchman's like right there and one's like floating to the side and he's just and they they somehow don't see him it's just they, they, they pirates they, they do not pride themselves on their eyesight they can't, can't do math <laughs> Can't play games. Can't see can't a guy. Can't see a guy you're looking for like two feet in front of you. But you can let him like climb onto your boat into the to the very convenient mouth of your ship. Yeah. By, by the way, the Flying Dutchman has a mouth. I, I, I will. I will say like the and we haven't talked about it, the, the design of the Flying Dutchman. I think is pretty awesome. Yeah. Like it's can we say that some of the CGI is a little bit shoddy though? You can kind of tell. A little bit. Little bit. And yeah. this little bit. Like, yeah. It's aged fairly well, but there's a few bits and bobs that you're like, mm-hmm. I can there's tell like in 06. Yeah, there's like a scene when, like, uh, Sparrow, like, Captain Jack, then the Kraken's in front of him or whatever, and it almost looks like he's like, you can tell he's almost like on a green screen. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't notice that later in the movie because, like, it's, it's like a weird, like, yeah. compo- it's like a weird composite shot, but. I, I like 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 I always yeah. say, like, CG doesn't always have to look real. It just has to like look like, like semi stylized and cool. And I think like that's something they nailed with this one. The CG for this always looks, it it always like the design of it always looks really interesting. Absolutely. Uh, let's see what's going on with Jack Sparrow and Elizabeth Swan. They they did. Do they have any chemistry yet? 
Not really. Nope. Okay. Nope. All right. Nope. All right. Continuing. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. So we get to the island where we get to the island where uh, the heart is said to be, and for some reason. Uh, Elizabeth picks now. The compass picks now to stop working for Elizabeth because pointing at what it wants most, pointing to Jack, who decided to do his best Captain Morgan impression at this point in time. <laughs> Despite the fact that we saw her earlier, apparently she wants him now too, because yeah, that's a, that's a thing in this movie now. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, she sits down. She sits down in the place where the chest is supposed to be buried. What luck! And like 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 we said earlier, they didn't have to walk very far. It's not like it's like buried like the like the deep like dark part of the jungle that this island has. It's only like buried like ten feet on the beach, like ten feet into the beach yeah. in the water. Walk for six seconds. Walk for well, six maybe, seconds, you'll find it. Maybe Davy Jones would forget where he buried it. Though, you know what I mean? <laughs> Davy Jones would forget where he buried it, so he had to keep it like had practical. To, had to keep but it can't close. Very far. He's like, shit, I, I don't remember. Oh, it's right there. It's easy. Five steps and we're there. <laughs> it's like, it's the like his, 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 his map, too, is just a post-it note. It's like, yeah. where, do I, where do I leave my heart? <laughs> Go to the beach, walk, t- walk 20 steps. Yeah. Boom. You might, as well, you might as well have a, an arrow in the sand pointing right to it. Yeah. And so, and like, D- David Jones finds just like, ah, oh, crap, I can't step on land for another 10 years. And again, I got to give props for the, the creative idea of this effect where Again, they can't step on land. They're like of the sea, so they have a thing that the Dutchman does where it can go completely underwater. I think that's like a really like cool creative choice for for a ship and a villain like this. Because why why would you be able to go underwater? Yeah. So, anyways, they find this chest. Turner finds them, and this is where we involved to like the big I guess the big sword fight of the film. You see, they like. I mean, if you don't know, Rigetti tells you in just a second. Everyone wants the chest for their own reasons. Uh, Jack wants it because he can use the lever to deal with Jones. Turner wants it so he can kill Jones and uh, free his dad. And what's his nuts? Uh, what's his name? Norrington. Norrington wants it. I'm sorry. I forget his name because he's just such a he's such an integral part of this movie. How can I forget his name? Yeah. He wants it to <laughs> try and like win back the... Went back to the good graces of the English government. Yeah, and then we get to a pretty, I will say, a pretty well done, a pretty well done sword fight. Which, by the way, at the beginning of this, like Kieran Knightley is shouting at them, and I don't even think it's in the script. I feel like she's just shouting. She's just shouting her frustration at this scene because she hasn't had a fight scene yet. <laughs> and can we say like this? This fight scene doesn't go on for a little bit too long. A little bit too long. Like, the the, be- the beginning of it is a little too much. It's when they get to the, the church, the church building. Yeah, the church building when they start like really using the environments and like the yeah. wheel. Like it, like this is I feel like it's like ten minutes too long. Yeah. It, well, it's it, it's the seven. If they had started at the, if they had started at the church, and this is where this is where the fight started, and it's like went to like the ropes and the bells and the wheel. I feel like I feel like we wouldn't have that problem because yeah, like the stuff with the wheel, like it's it's incredibly well shot, incredibly well choreographed. Like Not for sure, and and then like and unlike the first one, where like if you saw like certain shots where they're doing like big stunts, you can see like you can very clearly tell they're stunt doubles. This one, I could I couldn't tell you which one was stunt double, which one was real at which point. Like it's a, it's a it's a very well it's a very well done fight. The the best of the series we've seen so far, at least in my opinion. 
No, I, I, I'll agree. Yeah, for sure. But they're also doing a lot more in this film than they did in the previous, though. You know that is I mean? also true. Yeah. Most daring we got in that last one was when uh, Sparrow and Will fought on that, like, that, like, pendulum thing in the shop. Right. Which was still, that's still that's such, an, that's such an awesome scene, though, too. I also will give them credit where they're doing something. Are you saying this, Bethany? Oh, I'm just saying that one's more like, um, like a mind over matter kind of thing. Like, I think that just, like, set up the characters really well in that particular fight, more than it being like, ooh, wow, impressive sword fighting. <laughs> ooh, ooh. That should, be, that should be a line in one of the next movies. Like, ooh, wow, unprecedented sword fighting. <laughs> New tagline for Fires of the Caribbean. Ooh, wow. Unprecedented sword fighting. Uh, something else I will, give, I will give credit for in this in this movie like they the fact that it's a 1v1v1 fight which is something we don't nearly see a lot of in, enough of in movies like i always thought like a, a fight like this in say like a star wars movie would would be really cool we've never seen a three-way lightsaber fight i think that well, yeah. well also because like it's always like two sides but still i think that something like that would be really cool uh but yeah uh we <laughs> we uh wheel fight goes on and meanwhile at the same time uh, Patel Brigade try to run, run with the chest, and they have to fight. And then uh, Elizabeth catches up, and they have to fight all the fish people. Which, come to think about it, why can they step on land whenever they want, but Davy Jones can only do it every ten years? Like, what, why doesn't that curse extend to everybody? And why is it never explained? Because <laughs> it isn't. And I, every time that scene happens, you're kind of just like, wait. So his crew can, but he can't. So why, if they can step on land and he can't every 10 years, why What's are they the, bound to him? Like, yeah. I just be like, deuces, I'm going to Tortuga like everyone else, Davy Jones, <laughs> and you can't follow me. It's like, that's a good point. It's like, ha, ha, peace, I'm out. <laughs> like, it's honestly. Like, but wait, I can't go. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so uh, they, so, uh, like I said, uh, Jack jumps off the wheel to leave uh, Norrington and Will going off. Pintel, Margetti, and Elizabeth are fighting the fish people. And Jack opens up the chest in the middle. He has time to open up the chest in the middle of all of this to see David Jones' heart. I didn't think I didn't actually think they were gonna show this, but like they open it and it's like a real human heart. Like beating heart, yeah. Yeah, it looks really cool. Yeah, but still. PG thirteen. <laughs> PG thirteen. <laughs> it's 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 still kind of strange to me. So he goes so Jack goes to put it back to the beach, put it on the jar of dirt. Meanwhile, I'm not sure the geography of this island works because the wheel go- the wheel goes off to the exact same spot they started off in. <laughs> it runs over a bunch runs over a bunch of a bunch of fish people on the way too. It's, it's like yeah, how does how does the geography of this island work? <laughs> I also love how Will can barely stand up straight, but Norrington can do it just fine. That's a, that's a, that's another thing we we need to touch on. Like they get out, Will's looking like he's half drunk. Yes. Norrington, nah, I'm fine. Doesn't he like fall in the water? He does, he does. a few times. Yeah. yeah, a few times. Yeah, Norrington is just kind of maybe Norrington gets drunk more than Will Turner is, so he's like used to it, man. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're they're probably going by the fact that Norrington hasn't really been in the film that much, so he I'm has pr- more stamina. I've been practicing <laughs> this. For, I've been practicing this for years. <laughs> I've hardly been in this film. I'm I'm good to go. But they get, but they get the, they get the chest back from Norrington, who runs off with it as a diversion, and the chest is taken by this dude who has a conch for a head, who Jack Sparrow decapitates by throwing a coconut at him. Which, come to think about it, why do you have a guy's head detaches? Right. <laughs> yeah. That's... Yeah, and and not only is it detached, it turns into like a giant hermit crab. 
which in of itself is <laughs> is just weird. Like there's, there's so many just like weird off kilter choices in this movie, but yeah. So they get back they get back to the ship, but they they, they, get, they get back to the ship, but they don't have to fight the flying Dutchman. They just have to you know kind of outrun it, which they establish that the they establish that the, the pearl is already way faster than the Dutchman. And actually, I do got touch on this like little comedic bit because they do have a, a scene where like. Like Jack Sparrow, like hold the jar of dirty, just like I, look, like look what I got, look what I got, Jones, and he falls down the stairs. I got a jar. Yeah, I got a, I got a jar of dirt. I got a jar of dirt. Angus, what's inside it? <laughs> and yeah, as opposed to the first one, there's not really any like, there's not really like a ship battle because these ships don't fight. Basically, just the Black Pearl trying to run. Whereas, like we said, like it, it's it's a it's a much faster ship. But I will, and like I will say, speaking of the Dutchman, like how cool the the ship is in general. Like when it fights, it also looks it also looks pretty sweet. Like it, the mm-hmm. it, it's a pretty sweet, like sweet ship looking during a fight, and like especially like when it turns to the front, it got like triple cannons. And it's like why right. why don't you have these on like why don't you have more of these things? <laughs> like imagine imagine if you had like like six of these on every side of your ship. Like how like how how badass would that make would that make your shit right right, <laughs> nevertheless. So yeah, uh, they outrun them. It seems like they're giving up, but nope, they are summoning. Hold on, paycheck to Neeson. They release the Kraken <laughs> onto the Black Pearl. Uh, but, but but like when they do like the whole like the whole thing they they talk like this big pillar, bring it down, make like a big thump. When they do that, the jar of dirt falls over, and we see that the heart <gasps> gasp. It the heart is not there. So where's so yeah. where is it gone? Well, we'll talk about we'll that in a second. Dun 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 dun. What what the twist? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we get this is the longest Kraken fight of the film, and yeah, this is it, it's really his case. Not not less is more, but like the build up to this fight, the build up to this encounter. It's been so much. It's been the entire movie. And yeah, the fight itself is actually like it, it is pretty exciting. <laughs> like like the, the, the crack is tearing up shit. The cannons are firing. They're throwing crew members all around the place. Like it's a, again, it's really the crack and fights get better as the ship goes on. Again, no reason for it to take this long because we saw it take out another ship in two seconds. But I digress. We all see that Jack is uh, in, because he realized he doesn't have he doesn't have the heart. He has no. He has no horse in this fight anymore. He has no leverage against Jones. He decides to, you know what? I'm, I'm a bail. I'm a go. <laughs> and he decides to make for the island. Uh, so they decide that the only way to stop this Kraken, kind of, sort of, I'm not sure what they're supposed to do, but they decide to kind of blow it up. They make a bomb. They gather all the, all the gunpowder. They gather all the rum. All the rum. All the rum. And they put it in this net that the Kraken's going to grab, and then they're going to blow it up. And uh, by the way, I forgot to mention uh, random black guy. His one line is in this scene where, like, the giant, like, done, like, the giant, like, you know, hit thing goes off. And he's like, Kung. like, what was that? He's like, we must have hit a reef. He's like, and that's, that's the only line he gets in this movie. <laughs> they could have got Digimon Hansu to do that, right? They should have got, got Digimon Hansu to do that. <laughs> he totally would have been perfect for that. I thought that, well, I thought that when I saw that. I was like, you know what? I could see Digimon Hansu being in this film although he kind of already maybe, maybe he already used all his boat movies when he did serenity last year yeah this is true well this is yeah we saw that turn up uh, but anyways so uh they they load up they load up all the stuff elizabeth elizabeth has to shoot this thing is like whatever you do don't miss 
even, even I'll shoot, I'll shoot as soon as she clears. So they're going up, and she doesn't miss, but she does the next worst thing, which is drop the gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she 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 drops she drops the gun before she can get the shot off. Uh, random random black guy tries to take the shot, but they but then he gets ragdolled around. But then that's when Jack Sparrow makes his triumphant return to make sure I have a turn to set off the explosion. But honestly, it's really funny. Like you look where he's shooting. Like there's like a giant target. There's like a giant like net full of barrels, and he shoots at the one that's falling. It's just like okay, I get, I get it. You wanted to be, you wanted to be cool. But come, but come on, man. you come on, man. You got one shot. You're gonna shoot at the, you shoot at, shoot the ones you can't hit. Uh, whatever. But it works. Blows his tentacle, blows his tentacles to hell, and you're like, did we win? No, we just made it angry. We got to abandon ship. And luck, luckily, we, luckily, we got one boat left and just enough, just enough major characters to fit into it, because the right. entire rest of the crew is dead. <laughs> so yeah, they, they decide to go off and like they decide like, hey, everyone go to the boats. I got and Elizabeth's like, I gotta talk to Jack. And it's like, okay, it's like okay, like thank you for coming back. Psych! I'm handcuffing you to this bitch because it's not after you. It's not after the ship. It's after you. So you're so you're gonna stay. You're gonna stay here while we go to the island. And I do like that. I do think it's like very like a good character moment that Jack Sparrow. He's not. He's not angry at her. Like he. he it looks like he almost like respects her for it. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like he almost saw it coming though. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he, and plus he 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 did he, he did get to mac on her a bit more so than Will has in this movie. <laughs> That's true. And and and, and we'll see, which again fuels this whole completely unnecessary love triangle. <laughs> and you love like the look they give each other, just like, but just like what? Like Little Turner looks at him and Little bit looks at him, just like what? I know you saw that. What you what you want, boy? <laughs> and yeah, they go off, and this is the shot where you're talking about. He gets out of the restraint, and this is the the shot where he's. Looking at it now, he's very clearly in front of a green screen. Yeah, it's not the most poorly composited green screen I've seen, but it's not it's not great. It's fine, but especially oh, toward, yeah, it's like towards the end because he he calls he calls up the hat and he decides to pull a little shot of horrors, pulls out his sword, and runs into the mouth of the kraken. The kraken takes the pearl, and as we and as far as we know, Jack Sparrow is quote unquote dead. I'm not gonna buy that. <laughs> uh, what? No, no, no. Jack, uh, Jack Sparrow's to- Jack Sparrow's totally dead, Russell. What are you talking about? Oh, okay. Well, never mind. There's a third one coming There's out. There's a sequel already announced. Dead. Well, we we didn't we didn't know that. We have a sequel coming out, but he's dead. He's dead. <laughs> so, what are they gonna get for the main catchy? <laughs> well, spe- well, spe- well, speaking of which, they cut back. Speaking of the sequel, they cut back to David Jones, who has the chest. But oh no, the heart's not inside it. So who has the heart? Well, who's the only character left in this movie? That's right. Uh, we cut back to another two-minute scene with uh, Lord Beckett. Where he's just he's like, up to about six now. He's up to about six minutes now. <laughs> where he's just like, any news on the chest, which I don't think we ever mentioned. Like, that, 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 that's the chest he wants. He, we want the chest also. I know, I know it's a side note in this review, but it's also kind of a side note in this movie. Where we find out that uh, Norrington was picked up by a, he was picked up by an, a trading company ship. And he brought the heart of Davy Jones to the one guy who probably shouldn't have it in this entire... Okay, a lot of people probably shouldn't have it. But the one guy who probably really shouldn't have it in this film. 
So, yeah, in a weird way, the bad guy kind of won in this movie. You could call this the Empire Strikes Back of Pirates of the Caribbean films. Uh, We also see that uh, the laws of Jack Sparrow hit the world pretty hard because they go back to Tia Dama and he has like this whole like candlelit vigil. It's just like, it's it's, it's supposed to be like the kind of like the joke of the pirate world. Why why does everyone care so much? It's like the death of Superman, Batman (laughs) versus Superman. It's it's, it's like the the old times. You had to like wait for a letter and all these people already know he's dead. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's been like a day. I think it was on the internet. I think it it, it, it broke on the internet. They had the internet internet at the time. So yeah, they go go see Tia Dama. They had their big toast deck to Jack Sparrow. Good man. Remember Jack? Remember when he got the back pearl? Jack Sparrow. Uh, but then, you know, Will Turner looks over a little bit. He's like, there's any way we can bring him back. And Tia Dama's like, would you do it? Implying there is a way to bring it back. And they're just, and they're just like, you know what? Yeah, if we can bring back Jack Sparrow, we got a third movie coming out. Let's let's do it. Let's get <laughs> let's get on that. <laughs> and, it's like, what? You, we want to make more money? Yes, let's do it. And then we're just like, if you're going to, if you, if you want to brave the, if you want to brave the weird and haunted shores at Worlds, and that's when they got, the, that's when they got the idea for the next sequel, for the for the title at least. Like, then you need a captain yep. who's braved those waters. And I, I do gotta admit, this ends with one of my favorite next the movie best. teasers. It's the best ending. It's the best reveal in the past twenty years, I think. It saves the whole movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> Because like you see, like you need someone to brave those waters, and you see like these, the the boots from earlier walking down, and it's Captain Barbosa from the first movie. He's back. He's alive. He can eat apples now, and he's gonna wreck shit in the sequel that you're gonna see next year. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. That's the pirates movie. The post credit scene. The dog has become the leader of the of the tribe from early in the movie. Not exactly sure how that works out, but whatever. And super funny though. <laughs> it is funny to see, but also kind of doesn't is, add up. It, it is super funny. Also kind of, but also kind of doesn't add up when he gets to the next movie. But that's that's where the movie ends. So, yeah. So, uh, final thoughts on this film. I'm gonna go to uh, Mike and Bethany first. Actually, I'm gonna go to Mike first. Mike hasn't really said a whole lot this entire review. Yeah. So, like, I, you know, the Pirates movies, 100. percent I feel like, you know, in terms of what's the, their order of. Uh, you know how good they are they go in order you know they, they definitely do the second one is definitely a very flawed movie but there's enough fun about it to to redeem it a little bit you know you're never going to put this in the same league as the curse of the black claw but you have moments like that barbosa reveal you know and that's the last thing you see so you walk out of that movie energized almost forgetting some of the nonsense you saw before it uh, okay, yeah, that, that that is very true. Uh, Bethany, well, well, final thoughts on Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Yeah, so earlier I alluded to the fact that I went and saw it like at midnight when it premiered, and it was a it was a big deal. And there was definitely the hype for this one because everyone loved the first one. Um, and I agree. I feel like my my order of pirates is they get worse as they go on. Uh, the first one's the best, but the second one still has redeeming qualities. Um, but yeah, upon rewatch, I really, I guess I forgot how much of like so much unnecessary stuff is in it. Like how much we could have like cut 20 or 30 minutes, but I think so much of it is like, I remember walking out of that midnight showing Barbosa had just shown up and if everyone could have bought tickets right then and there for the next one, which ended up coming out the next summer, we would have, everyone's like, Barbosa's back, we're in baby. And like, we forgot that we had to like 
lived through 20 minutes of like Jack being a god on an island <laughs> and like all of that was just like erased from your memory because you're like, well, Barbosa's back, so take my money, Disney. <laughs> Barbosa's back, so yes, bitch. Uh, Russell, <laughs> your final thoughts on Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Yeah, I kind of just echo what Mike and Bethany said. I remember being in the theater and everybody like cheering that Barbosa was back. It was such a you know, great way to get the audience completely wrapped up in the film and, and the franchise moving forward. Um, overall, like I said, I think obviously Black Pearl is the best out of all of them. Um, and kind of how the beat a dead horse, like Mike Bethany said, they do get progressively worse. I think Gore Verbinski's original trilogy, I think the, th- the first three are the, you know, obviously the best ones, obviously with them going in order one, two, three is best or worst, but, um, it doesn't take anything away from it. It's fun. Um, it's a, it's a good sequel. I mean, yes, there's a lot of things that are completely like, like what the hell is going on? Why are they putting this in here? Kind of how Bethany said, you know, you put a lot of things in this film. There's they're they're putting they're trying to pack in too much stuff, mm-hmm. um, and, and this is a problem that the third one has with with the running time increasing by each time that the movie. Oh, you know, well, don't. You know, the first one. Don't get too much. Way. We're gonna get we're gonna get to that next week. Well, no, <laughs> what I'm saying it's like you so go fun. you go two fifteen, then you go two twenty, then it's two forty five. It's like. All right, we, these movies don't need to be that long. I mean, they're good films, don't get me wrong. Uh, again, the makeup, tremendous. Really like Davy Jones, uh, the introduction of him that we got from him. It was great to bring Barbosa back. And, I, and again, it, I think we said this again in, in The Curse of the Black Pearl. It's best, though, when you have these three characters together. You're invested when Sparrow, Will, and uh, Elizabeth Swan. You're invested in the three of those characters. You know what I mean? And, and it's important you have the three of them in this film. So I kind of understand where they were trying to really drag for story because you know how how we said at the beginning of the film, chance how you were like, you know, they really don't have their story was pretty much wrapped up already. But you know, it's it wouldn't be a film, and, I, and we touched on it again though. I, I Captain Jack can't can't really lead this. He's more of a side character. He can't lead these these franchise films. You know what I mean? They, you have to have everybody all together working as as a unit. But uh, yeah, good film. It's a fun film. It's flawed, but it's a fun film. I hate, I hate to you know sound like a burger record, but I'm gonna you know yeah. There there are a lot of really po- good positives in this movie. Like you said, Jack Jack Sparrow is still fun to see. He is overused. Uh, a, little, a little too long. A little too complicated. A problem that they do mm. not fix in the next film. But again, we'll get to the no. next, we'll get to that next week. Uh, yeah, some fun, some fun moments. A great villain. Some really creative designs. Some really some really cool fun fights. Like I said, bet, uh, I mean, show our hands now, but yeah, I, I I do think this is the best of the sequels. But uh, it does, and you can see a lot of the problem with this franchise arise in this one movie that get really doubled down on future film. But again, for preceding weeks. Uh, but as for right now, yeah. Uh, so I think we can all agree that uh, Pirates of the Caribbean not as good as the first, but still pretty pretty solid film. But that's and that's gonna do it for us here. on the toys by chance. Uh, I want to thank uh, Mike and Bethany for joining us for this show. Uh, guys, anything you guys want to you know plug before we before we take off? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, you can catch us. You know, we occasionally if we find something extraordinarily bad, we'll put up a, a YouTube review. You can find uh, Cats in the Game of Thrones finale. If you yes, uh, I, I I would encourage you all to go watch the review of Cats. It is very funny. <laughs> Uh, but we only do that when it's something uh, extraordinary. So maybe keep for your, New Mutants. M- maybe for New Mutants. Maybe we'll do keep that. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. So the, uh, the, uh, thank you for that, uh, Russell. Anything you want to plug before you head out? Or actually, I know, I know yeah. what you want to plug, but you want to give our plug before you head out. 
I mean, if you want to plug it, we'll plug it. Uh, yeah, you can find us on Facebook, Notorious by Chance is the group. Go ahead and get uh, involved in that. Add us. Um, that's where we put up polls. Obviously, we're not putting up polls this month because we are doing Pirates of the Caribbean. But, uh, yeah, that's where you'll find out all the polls of, like, the movies that, you know, we put together five films. You vote on the one that we that we got to watch. We watch it. We review it. You can also find us on YouTube, Notorious by Chance. We're going to try to get back into that um, where you can find all of our new release, new reviews uh, on, on the YouTube channel. So, yeah. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, at Chance Wars underscore 91. I think as of, as of publishing this, my match, my team's match against the family will already be out, so go watch that. And uh, next week, if you're going to be in L.A. for – you're going to be L.A., uh, go to the, to the free-for-all live. It's going to be a great time. 40 competitors. going to be kick-ass event. Uh, and – yeah, that's gonna that's gonna do it for us. And yeah, we will see you next week where Caleb Coho will come back to finish out the initial Pirates trilogy with Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. We're gonna have a lot to say about that one, folks. So tune in. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.